0: This is Rowena Dooley asking Seoul citizens to report for duty.
1: Welcome to another episode of Soul Citizen. This is episode 188 called Mythbusters. Today is January 28th, 2024, at least in North and South America. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Happy appreciate see everyone in chat. And before we get started, I want to introduce our co-host. To my immediate left, we have Captain Serious Front. I got it right the first time. that would be the wrong time I get it right. <laughs> How are you doing,
2: Captain Serious Fun? <laughs> Greetings and salutations. How is everybody doing tonight? Um, no matter what you do uh you get it right so don't worry about it it's all good it's good to be here though happy to be here with this with the chat and with you two gentlemen
1: and i love his voice you always got that video voice going and to his laugh. And thank you for the slack our uh, subscription, flag is dog, and I missed one before. Thank you for the subscription from Capitol I Appreciate that. And to his immediate life, we have Griffin Gaming RPG. The prodigal son returned. <laughs> is that what you told today?
3: Well, just for this week, yeah. How just are you? Good week. to be back. Good to be back. good to sit in. Good to see you guys. Hope everybody's doing well.
1: And for people who may miss you, what have you been up to? Uh
3: resting. Taking it easy. Relaxing. Family. Things like that. Just Taking it easy over the holidays. That's about it.
1: Yeah, I've I noticed that since you've been gone, I've been getting less uh, fewer joke bands, so I'm, I'm going to miss that. When, when you <laughs> <laughs> but as you know, or may not know, today's title is called Mythbusters, where we will be talking about um, basically the, uh, you know, the different, uh, hold on, let me get this thing again. Nope. The um, different um, things that may have uh, occurred over the years, to misinformation about Star Citizen 142, um, development and games. And, you know, some things you may have forgotten and some things you may have wished you would forgotten. So that's the, that's yeah. the thing for today. <laughs> but, yeah.
3: Mis Misinformation about Star Citizen? I can't believe there is such a thing. <laughs> I know, right?
1: <laughs> it, 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 saying it so. <laughs>
2: I but can't yeah, believe so. that the show's the show's only going to be tonight, because we could probably go all weekend. So.
1: <laughs> we can go all night. We can. I mean, rent <laughs> the show ends, we'll be talking about it after dark, too. So I'll just saying, like, join Discord to talk about it when, when the show ends. But yeah, so let, let's mm. get started. Um, it's a Mythbusters story. Uh, first up, we'll cover... Um, oops, got to scroll up to get to the beginning. Of Digital Anvil, so yes. Here we go. Now, this is how it all started. Well, now I don't want to say it all started, but you don't want to go too far back like, to the days of origin and, in and, and 1990. But, you know, we figured we started out at our, in 2000 with Digital Anvil. Uh, Griffin, you want to? I, think uh,
2: that, oh, I was going to say, fast, but I think that makes some sense because, you know, to go back to origin means you're still in that time where Chris had that deep and abiding affiliation with a publisher. Mm -hmm. Right. So to call this one out uh, and Griff, I know you you could extend on this idea, but it looks like to me to call this one out is drawing a line where he sort of said, that's it for me in a publisher. Right. And I'm going to start thinking about how I do this in my own direction if I do it at all. There's been like a lot of, you know, there's a lot
3: that started even this far back. In relation to Chris Roberts, his management style, the company, the way he would run it. Um, one of the highlights that we talked about, and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, because we do, I guess we should cover a little bit of this, was that Chris's notoriety came from several games, but most notably the Wing Commander series of games. But there were other games that he had made. Um, and as that progressed from going from the Wing Commander series to Freelancer, Star Lancer, the other games that he would develop... Um, he began to have a reputation for going over schedule budgets and things like that. And this is under the publishers that he was under. Um, And one of the most notable, though, was toward the end uh, where he was working with Microsoft and um, they really wanted him to get, I think it was Freelancer. Is that correct, uh, Captain? I think it was Freelancer that they really wanted to get out. Um, They wanted to get pushed out. He ended up leaving the company. Uh, I think Aaron, if I'm not mistaken, was the one that completed the project. Um, But after that, uh Chris basically felt that if he wanted to make the game that he wanted to make, that the constraints of being under a publisher was going to be something that he just didn't want to do. Now, this was way, way, way back when uh, that he did a lot more before he finally got to evolve to that place. But Evidently, this was something that he felt restricted him. Now, it, I do find it interesting that I've seen over the years many commentators and pe- particularly people in the industry who have said that one of the failures for CIG is that they need a publisher um, because for them to have a publisher, they would be held to deadlines and producing mm-hmm. things. Um, and so there have been several people in the industry and in, in magazines who have said that's one of the biggest problems is the fact that he doesn't have publisher um so anyway it's so funny because
2: example. because mm-hmm. freelancer was you know if if, if if for folks that were around they may recall that freelancer was the the entree mm-hmm. uh and star lancer mm-hmm. was the appetizer the year before mm-hmm. right and Starlancer lancer dropped it was commercially unsuccessful Mm -hmm. which is what put the pressure on Freelancer's pace Mm -hmm. and the things that they needed to get out of the Freelancer project. In fact, Star Lancer was tied in 2000 for runner-up for the best game no one played at IGN's (laughs) Best of 2000 Awards, right? Um, No one knew about it. No one played it. Mm -hmm. um, Even though it had a lot of Wing Commander principles, it was set in a slightly different universe. Yep. And um, so that is what, created the pressure and as a result some of the narratives mm-hmm. around Chris Roberts was but 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 remember Chris had a publisher right right and it's right. the publisher's job to take the content and advertise it and market it and get it out mm-hmm. in the stores and all that mm-hmm. and Star Lancer underperformed whose fault was that yeah right yeah yeah um so he had a publisher that didn't do what they're supposed to do and now mm-hmm. with the follow up game that is really the vision right right um they're going, well, we need you to move in this with this pace and with this alacrity and do these things, mm-hmm. and we got a problem with your style. Well, no, you had a problem with you your failure on Star Lancer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Yep. But they, yep. they didn't own that. So Yep, yep.
3: That's a great point. And a lot of people don't know. I mean, we always hear people talk about Wing Commander, Wing Commander. Wing Commander was was the franchise that really blew up, and we saw a we could see hints of what would become Star Citizen. But from my understanding, even though I never really played the game, but I've watched other people play it, it seemed like Freelancer was really the baby uh, that introduced other dynamics. Where Wing Commander was kind of like the combat side, Freelancer started introducing that whole idea of being your own Freelancer, hence the name of the ship, right? Um, it, It had a much more open world feel to it. And that
2: was where Chris wanted to start going. Um, so many people yeah, say that's this absolutely is a correct. Successor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. From Wing Commander series, I mean, we don't talk about Wing Commander Armada, but the, the games
0: mm-hmm.
2: all the way through to Star Lancer, success mm-hmm. and failure was about your abilities as a pilot. Right. Freelancer was like, well, that piloting is another thing that you can do, but really, it's your ability to thrive in the world. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay. and it was a much more complex game. So yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Digital- Go ahead, first go, ahead. go ahead, I'm sorry. No, oh, no
1: go, go ahead. ahead. Just I was going to read the so part. D- d- so we t- I posted a couple of links about Microsoft landing with Anvil. That'll give you mm-hmm. some uh, a history. People want to get up on that. So you can just go ahead and, and, and look, look at those links. So
3: go ahead, go now, ahead. Now, there's a reason why we're telling you guys this, too, because one of the myths or the ideas for some reason is that people thought that Chris Roberts, I don't know if they thought he was broke or wasn't making money or what, Um But evidently he was making enough money that he would move from the gaming industry into the motion picture industry. And you can't do that without having some type of funding or investors or money. So um Microsoft um uh actually paid him, I think it was anywhere from five to seven million dollars for the ten titles. (laughs) Thank Thank you for the follow. Uh Ed Weird, Edward, Edward. <laughs> Thank you for that follow. Um, they paid them seven five to seven million dollars for their titles that they held. There were 10 titles that were on the board that Microsoft bought. So let's just even say if we went on the low end of it, we could say they made anywhere from 35 to 50 million dollars uh in that transition from digital anvil to Microsoft. So we want to kind of say that because again. Later on, we started sensing this thing of people saying, well, why is Chris Roberts able to do this or do that? Well, because he had money. He had his own Mm -hmm. money, let alone when we start talking about investor money. And that moves us on to ascendant pictures, which is we move from the gaming industry. uh, Chris evidently, um, maybe we talk about this too fast, Cart. Chris was heavily influenced by movies like Star Wars, right? I mean, that was a real big thing for him. And even though that? he loved games, yeah. Even though he loved games, there was also this side of him that loved movie too, you know. And uh, Ascendant Pictures became the company that he would uh, ultimately uh, go out and create. I
1: don't and, know if you guys you know, want to cover that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the, and he had an, uh, I, I, I can't name all the movies that he had, that he done, but um, but I mean one of the more popular ones, one of the more profitable ones is um. Lord Lord of War, right? That's the yeah. one with Nicolas Cage, and yes. that made money. So people, you, you talk about this thing about Chris Roberts being broke. No, he had money from you know the game, from mm-hmm. the battle from Microsoft, obviously, and from making movies or being a producer. Mm-hmm. So you you if you go go if you watch Lord of War, you'll see Chris Roberts' name in the credits. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so he, yep. he he had money before Star Citizen even started, way before Star Citizen even started.
3: But I don't know where I don't know at best card, I don't know where people or why people just assumed that he didn't start making money until he started working on Star Citizen. Um, you You named just a couple of the movies there, but some of the now mind you, like all motion picture companies, guys, you have your hits and you have your flops, okay? so we're not saying that every film that uh, Ascendant Pictures produced uh, was a was a hit. But here are some of them. Who's your Caddy was one? Uh, Lucky Number eleven was another one. All the King's Men was another one. Uh, let's see, you mentioned uh, Lord of War, which was another one. And The Punisher. Those are all films that have been produced during that period of time. And um, evidently, you know, Chris had said that basically at a certain point, he wanted to come back to doing games, but he wanted to be able to come back and make the game that he wanted to make. And during this time, by him entering into this industry it allowed him to build relationships outside of the gaming industry, but now he was making relationships with people in film and motion picture. Right.
2: And Any coming idea? to understand the 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 emergent um, alignment of uh, special effects assets, mm. right? So, um, you know, when he did this in uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, it was the same time that Lucasfilm and other Shops were developing these CGI assets that were in the prequel Star Wars films and other places that were taking some of the same skills he was seeing developing games mm-hmm. on the gaming mm-hmm. side and seeing them inform the film side. Well, that gave him some expertise in those conversations, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, even as a producer... Dave- uh,
1: mm-hmm. he, even before this period, he he, he was making inroads with, with with the entertainment industry because in Wing Commander he uh Mark oh, Hamill, yeah. John Rhys Oh were yeah. in yeah, Wing right. Commander, so you he, know he 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 made some inroads there. Then you know brought a full circle when when he made it, when he got into a of pictures, and then he's continuing that, that circle again with Star Citizen, which one forty two. So yeah,
2: yeah. That's a good one of the one of the mythologies around this time uh, with the with the movie industry and Chris Roberts was this idea that um, that he and thank you, D.K. Wildcat for Mm -hmm. the subscription that he and and Ortwin and others that they they sort of um, had a funny funding model even back then. The truth of it is that Ortwin was familiar with international and European film finance. Mm-hmm. And there was a German loophole mm-hmm. uh, that made it more lucrative for investors to invest in film. Yep. Now, if, for those of you who know the film industry, you know that producers and studios are always looking for places where they can be subsidized <laughs> to do their film.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Anywhere in the world, if they get, you know, Game of Thrones was incentivized to go to Croatia, What do you mean? What do you think incentivize means? (laughs) It means that they got a tax break or some sort of dollar incentive or some sort of lower rate on the union rate or something that made that place more competitive to make films in other places. And these things change all the time. It just happened to be that at that time, the incentive was uh, in Germany was to do movies in Germany meant that investors would um, be able to pool their money in such a way That it wasn't all exposed in the endeavor to taxation, yeah, right. And you know, just like me, I'm always looking—not always, but regularly—take a look uh, at my my investment portfolio and go, "Where can I gain advantage?" It's the same thing. So I, I, when we look at some of these things that become mythologies, it's because a fact has happened, Mm -hmm. and then people place that fact through their lens of bias, right? Yeah, like so. If you already have a particular bias. Um, you see that fact in a certain mm-hmm. way, and if you don't have that, or you have a different bias, you see the fact a different way. So
1: yeah,
3: very true.
1: Well, yeah, okay. that is. I seen it pictures and different um, ways that Chris Roberts made money before Star Citizen,
0: mm-hmm. and moving right. on
1: from that. Uh, oh yeah, breaking news. So this is the introduction or the announcement for Star Citizen. Uh, yeah,
3: that was that, that was, go ahead. That, was a, that was an interesting piece. It wasn't an announcement for Star Citizen. Um, this came off of a website that B, uh, that Captain Serious Fund is very familiar with. I stumbled across it. I remember I'm, I'm not going to say that. I was familiar with this forum, but I never really was into it back in the day. But he's very familiar with it. He said he spent years on this thing. And what this was, this breaking news article was a, basically the rumors um because the wing commander fans were still keeping track with Chris Roberts and what they saw was this new website come up called Roberts Space Industries and what they were hoping for was some type of well what we said earlier some type of spiritual successor to Freelancer and StarLancer they they had no idea there was going to be this whole new thing of Star Citizen they just knew that something was rumbling this and i think the date on this is September of 2012
0: so we're yeah, talking about a,
3: a, right a month before the announcement at GDC. So there were rumblings. Yeah, there were rumblings of people paying attention to that something's going on. And maybe Chris Roberts is going to make a new wing commander.
2: Chris was smart. Chris was smart about it. At this Mm -hmm. website, Wing Commander CIC and the Starport, which was more freelancer based. uh, These forums, I was on these forums. I haven't been. I was saying to Griff earlier, I haven't been on these forums and probably Around this time, so probably around a decade, maybe eight years, mm-hmm. uh, was the last time I was on there. But you know, for for the old heads among us, Rick, Chris was cultivating the tribe mm-hmm. that was going to be responsive to the idea. Even then, he went on something called Internet Relay Chat, <laughs> or <laughs> IRC, <laughs> right? And yeah. on Wing Commander CIC, the IRC was called Wingnut, and he went on there. Like so, he had been tracking people's interest
0: mm-hmm.
2: saw that there continued to be a core community that was invested in the type of storytelling he had done at Wing commander. And he went on there to tell them, I've got something coming up soon. I'm going to announce yeah. something soon in three weeks. I'll give you an early heads up already thinking about how to try people for that early access,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right. Before even the GDC announcement. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Uh, Yeah, these were the spaces and places. And what was funny was that once he said that, the forum was like they were doing their own countdown. Right. In the discussion, like, oh, it's two weeks. It's one week. Oh, it got pushed back some hours. What's going to be said? Oh, my Mm -hmm. God, he's doing this space thing. Right. (laughs) Uh, People were saying, I hope it's not just going to be on Xbox. Right. (laughs) Right. 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 And so for him to for him to go on and say, no, this is a PC game for the PC gamer. Was mm-hmm. really compelling to this community. He had a core tribe from day one that he had cultivated in the run up to GDC. Yeah. I
3: want yeah,
1: highlight...
3: to kind of highlight. Go ahead, Pascal. Go, go ahead.
1: I just wanted to yeah, uh, uh, capture this, but I won't beat me to the quote. But it says right here, Chris Roberts a quote. It says, I've got something to announce. I'm, go- I'm going to announce soon. And in about three weeks, this is from September 9th, 2012, I'll mm-hmm. give you a, guys an early heads up. So that is the, the hint that they, that, they, that he
3: No, I was going to say you posted an image uh, that was also put out. It's one of the earliest images we had of concept art uh, for Star Citizen. And I actually remember FastCard, you might remember. I don't know if, Captain, if you remember seeing the video of this where they actually did create this, uh, where they walk inside this building, they go across this ramp. But for those of you who are looking at that link that FastCard dropped in, you'll see there's a JPEG there uh, that says Cloud Imperium at the bottom. And you can see where the reference to this... Now, I don't know if this is supposed to be R-Corp or Tier. It looks more like an R-Corp Corp. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but they, notice there's a thing there that says the Mercenaries Guild. Um, you can see the Hornets are outside. Some of the concept ideas were already being formed back in 2012. And, and those of us who play Star Citizen now can look at this and recognize and see where the... You know, what we have now, where it came from. So this stuff was stuff that was thought out way ahead of time. And a lot of times people have talked about, and I don't want to get into a big thing about feature creep and all this other stuff, but sometimes there's this feeling that there was all this feature creep going on. Like as if, you know, Chris would see something and all of a sudden say, you know, we got to throw that in the game. Um, But no, there was a lot of stuff that we just, if you go back far enough, you'll see there's so many things that they've talked about that he was talking about back in 2012 and 2013. But because a lot of us came in later, we came in 2014, 15, 16, 17, We didn't hear those early 10 for the chairman and all these other times where he said and talked about a tremendous amount of detail that they wanted to be able to put into this game. And the more you learn about that detail, the more you start to find out that they didn't just make this stuff up or somebody just didn't get inspired because they saw something or because some other game produced something. Chris was already a visionary and seeing a lot of these items way ahead of time. And they may have only talked about them once or twice. They didn't talk about them every week. We didn't have an ISC back then where there was this constant reminding. But many of the things that people have determined are feature creep or too much—they were there from the very beginning. Yeah,
1: yeah Drakadog uh, pointed out Hangar Forty-Two. That's in, that's in the center of, of the picture, and then you
3: got mm-hmm. the big Forty-Two
1: um, by, by the ship. It almost looked like a precursor to the Freelancer—that we yes. the Miss Freelancer. It almost looked like mm-hmm. that. So yeah, some of the ideas they were thinking about—you know very early, like Griffin said. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So moving on from that, we're going to, on to, <laughs> uh, it's a scam. Uh, <laughs> I mean, vengeful, thank you for the subscription for 38 months. Dang, appreciate it. Thank you for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you, yeah, it's cool. a scam. Um, this is a, uh, the filing history for Cloud Imperium Game. I'll put the link in, in, in a bit. But basically, it gives you a rundown of um, the history of our Premium Game Games, uh, corporate-wise. So it, goes, it has a couple of pages there. The first page goes down to 2019, but the latest one, uh, September 2023. So, yeah, this is how you can figure out what their... Um,
3: the FC, pronouns. do me a favor. <laughs> click click on that because it takes it all the way back. It goes back several years. Click on that bottom link because I okay. think it goes back to 2013 or 14, I think. It yeah, goes it goes all the way back to 20,
2: 2013, yeah.
3: Yeah. So the idea that people didn't think that... It, Obviously, when people say a scam, that could mean a lot of different things, right? But the fact that there has been actual record that's been held, uh, particularly in the U.K. And and when we get to the financial transparency part, I'll talk about a little bit more in detail, Fast car, But uh, the fact that there were people who thought that this was a scam, I've always found it interesting because, um, well, let me ask you guys. Why do you guys think people thought it was a scam? I mean, there was some excitement in the beginning, you know, from people, particularly from the old Wing Commander community, but why do you think so many gamers, when they heard about this idea, of this ambitious game, their default feeling was, is it a scam? Was it because the way they raised, was raising money, the crowdfunding? What do you guys think? Uh,
1: me personally, I think it was because of the, uh, the funding model. It was, it was brand new back in the day. It, mm-hmm. uh, Star Citizen was the first one to really do this. Since then, other people have done it, and it, it so it, it's more legitimized now, but started with the first and people had trouble um, adjusting to it. because, you know, they're, they're used to like buying a game from a store or online and, 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 and that the, the idea of, of crowdfunding uh, it, it was still new back then too. So it's, it's a whole lot of things.
2: Mm. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants to be, to be made a fool of, right? Nobody wants to be... Um, it's hard to be vulnerable right and when you are um my dog's trying to get in the door sorry when you are um when you're experiencing something that's brand new and outside the norm
0: mm-hmm.
2: right um, and somebody's telling you oh it's going to work this way it's easier in terms of the psychology and emotion of it to just be like doubtful because mm-hmm. then you don't have raised expectations that get dashed right yeah. Yeah. Um, now that is different than some of the like really hostile and rageful assertions that people have made on the basis of some of these mythologies, but just overall, uh, you know, it's, it's easier to just be doubtful. And then if it happens, it's a nice surprise versus mm. being embraced, embracing, yeah. uh, and going along on the journey exposed for your celebration of the idea. Right. Yeah. Um, Uh, You know, and then uh, wrote Rostasan says in the chat, um, and this is correct. um, Kickstarter Kickstarter was a bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, and and you know, so you combine that with an unfamiliar model. It would be like if Tesla launched and was talking about uh, the supercharger network there had been five or six other electric cars that just stole people's money right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah tesla would have had a hard time convincing an everyday person to mm-hmm. lean in right yeah. um again now that's different than going electric cars are crap and i hate everything about them um you know there's some people who are really uh rageful about the mythologies mm-hmm. um but the overall sentiment of doubt you know i sort of get it um in terms of the environment that's that that star citizen uh was in at
3: the time let me let me ask you guys this do you think that also i was just thinking about what was going on at that time kickstarter definitely uh cap was was a factor there was also something else that was starting to happen in gaming back in those days and that was remember when the whole thing came up with ea and loot boxes remember oh, this idea of being able to pay to win became another factor so you know you may have had a ship that was a small ship like an aurora for 30 bucks or 40 bucks but then if you bought this bigger ship right this andromeda for 200 bucks i think that there was a conscious subconscious thing that says here's my pay to win right it's it's not that i'm uh the, the idea of supporting the project is one thing but as gamers we're really looking at the how do i get to the end game as fast as possible so <laughs> if i want to get that multi crew ship over that single flying ship I got to pay more money. You know what I mean. And 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 I'm sure for some people that was the way they viewed it. And they figured, oh well, there's people. And because remember there was a big stink about they're selling ships for three thousand dollars, which they weren't back then. There weren't no three thousand dollars ships. But they were saying, you know, we're they're selling ships for hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. And and this is a virtual item, which is the same thing as what a loot box was in let's say Star Wars Battlefront, right? You know, you keep throwing right. your money at it, and you you know, and and you're right. going to get better. So I'm wondering whether some of that. That was going on in gaming culture got also translated into star citizen you know the more you pay the 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 better your chances of winning you know uh was a factor for people which also loot boxes were started to be called scam and so now we kind of translate that to star citizen here's another scam you know. And
1: as a matter of fact, yeah. like, um, I think some European c- c- countries uh, put a ban or uh, some, kind, some kind of legislature or laws against, against loot boxes
0: mm-hmm. So that, that,
1: that yeah. had an effect. And, you know, back at in, in, in the very beginning of the show, I said there were things that that we had forgotten and things we wanted to forget. Loot boxes are mm-hmm. one of the things we, we probably wanted to forget. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, land claim is, is another example with the were, I don't want to say the first, but, you know, they were, not, they, they gained notoriety for, for, for land claims, even though you had mm-hmm. other uh, industries doing digital land claims, too. But, Star so, Citizen, so, 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 oh, you can buy uh, uh, land, land for $50 in Star Citizen, and that was new back then. Though. It was unfamiliar. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah
2: and mean, there is a certain, there's a, I was going to say, there is a certain energy around, you know, things have been done a certain way. And now you are there when things are going to be done a different way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're wondering, people are wondering, like, is this going to work? Am I at the, am I, am I at the start of something mm-hmm. that's going to matter and be different? I don't know if y'all remember, uh, you know, Fast Card has raised this theme of you may not want to remember because maybe you were an investor. <laughs> but do y'all remember the OUYA? Ooh. Right? Oh. The OUYA, the, the O-U-Y-A. Yes. Right? Yes oh my god i did forget about that eight or nine eight or nine million dollar kickstarter right brand new console android based okay yeah yeah right it was gone it started in 2013 it was gone in 2015 right but just another example of people going oh maybe there's a different way to do consoles oh nope no there yeah. isn't right
3: I, um i don't want to fire up colossal in chat but uh everquest <laughs> next EverQuest <laughs> right. next right uh, another one you know folks tossed in money toward and you know everquest i mean big franchise right who's thinking that they're not going to deliver right. and man people got burnt on that you know
1: i just want to give a shout out to watch the fan on my point instead uh New are too much like gambling, so that's why some of the other countries are, put, put, put laws on it. Mm-hmm. But yes, yes that, they are. Uh, and cap, can you help me out? Like uh, in America, we had the FCC, and in Europe in, in Europe, in Europe they have the what?
2: So we have we have the the SEC, right? The Securities okay. Exchange Commission, yeah. that manages the finances piece. In the UK, they have Companies House. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you see here with these filings. Yeah. These UK filings with Cloud Imperium UK is them filing to Companies House. Now, what's interesting, and I put this in my video, um, quick shout out to me and my video. on YouTube. Yes, moonshot, oh, moonshot. Yes. Oh, moon, moonshot. You all check it out. And there's a moment where I put up the actual document, the California document that shows that Cloud Imperium was started uh, like 10 April of 2012 in the United States, mm-hmm. right? So- They started a company in the United States, then they started one in the UK. What's interesting about the UK one versus the United States one is there's a lot more transparency of finances and who's involved required for companies house than there is in the SEC. Now, if you end up in litigation in the United States, the SEC is a lot, um, that stuff ends up being a lot more, um, you can see a lot more of it across the case as a result of discovery Mm -hmm. in the United States than you can see in the legal process in the UK, but just before that, just every day, like you could go now and look at these filings in the UK and see the company's finances in detail. For me, this is sort of, you know, when people say it's a scam, um, scams happen, like in, you know, some scams happen out in front of you, like the day before, but some scams happen in the dark. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to, for 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 it to be a scam when there's this financial reporting that's happening with rigor in multiple, to FastCard's point, SEC, company's house, what's happening in the European Union proper. Um, you know, every jurisdiction isn't as lax as every other. Some of them are kind of serious about these financials. That's right. Um, and, you know, uh, for me, um, that gave me some... Uh, some uh, good assurance. feeling that, that, yeah, some assurance. Confident, Thank confident. you, Griff. Yeah, confidence. Thank you, F Asgard. That, that this was at least attempting to be an ongoing concern, mm-hmm. right, versus a, um, oh, I'm not going to, nobody's, no, nobody's going to be able to put their hands on anybody. These guys are just going to disappear onto a yacht into right. the night or whatever, right.
3: you know. Pardon the expression. So, and to your point, one of the things I often heard people say is that they need to be held accountable, right? Yeah. <laughs> And, and I'm not trying to be funny. I, I do understand the community's dynamic of saying that because the community is are the ones that are supporting the project, but we need to let the community know that there are higher levels than us that also hold them accountable. <laughs> UK right. Gov, Gov UK, they, are, they hold them accountable. And so if you want to find these, this information, FastCard's already dropped the link in. The information is public. It's available for you to see who owns the company, who are the directors in the company, the financials are produced. And we're gonna talk about the financials a little bit later, but just to let people know if they have questions, there is a level of transparency that's out there to help give you, to your point, Captain, a bit more assurance and confidence that things are being taken, you know, being from a business standpoint, there are our eyes watching what CIG is doing.
1: And you both make my job so easy because you both made the point that I wanted to make much more <laughs> eloquently than, than I was going to make them. So, yes, <laughs> nah. all I had to do was say "FTC and Cap knew exactly where, where I was going. So that was great. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. But, yes, um, I made this point last, last week, like, to Griffin's point, um, there are... Uh, high, 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 higher levels uh, than us to try and keeping them accountable. But if you still think Star Citizen is a scam or Four Two is a scam, uh, you can consult a lawyer and have at it and sh- sh- see where that gets you. But, you know, uh, CIG or Cloud Imperium is, is making sure that they, they have all the ducks in a row per, per se. Mm-hmm. All right, so up next we have... Oh, yes. <laughs> this is uh the great uh micromanager or uh, well this this, this this is part, part of the, the the scam yeah that'll now, be the next
3: ask. one now that'll be for where's my money where's so my we can money? talk okay. about well since i mean since you're here we'll do that and then we'll do the micromanager Is that okay. okay okay okay
1: so where's yeah. my money so yeah uh <laughs> guess what he brought a yacht <laughs> this is <laughs> this is part of the myth that you know Somehow, some, some way, Chris Roberts and, and, and Sandy Roberts, who in the garden back then, were poor. They didn't have any money before Star Citizen. But then they kind of jumped, jumped to the money, and you, they're like, screwing a duck, screwing in a vault full of money. So, yes, uh, this is from um, one of the forums, uh, MMRPG. So I don't think anyone that's crowdfunded this game We'd be very happy about that, either. If I were snapping pictures on the back of the yacht somewhere, and this and this is like a, a quote that um, Chris Roberts made about you know winning the back of money, but mm-hmm. someone took that and 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 put it on on top of this. That that's the history of that thing.
2: Yeah, um, as what? if as if as if Chris Roberts was like you know in a ditch somewhere, right? Uh, you know, covering Sandy with a with a with a a bag or something and he was he was in a ditch with no money in a bag and he just was like, you know, I got an idea. Right. <laughs> right? No. The man was walking around, right, mm-hmm. with his own uh funding, right? Like, um Sandy came on Info Runners with Execute and 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 uh and that Algorod. squad over there, Algorith. And they and she talked about how she just wanted him to be happy, right? Mm-hmm. And doing something that that he felt empowered by doing, but that wasn't that they didn't have the money to do things. Now they, they ain't buying yachts, right? You can Mm -hmm. rent a yacht, but this is him mocking that sentiment, right? Like this is, this is, this is him telling me that he's aware that this is the sentiment out there that, that he's out here buying yachts up with the money as if a yacht is this incredible investment either, Ain't nobody buying up no yachts, but anyway, um, and 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 yacht rental anyway isn't that big a deal? I live in Maryland, right? You can go down to <laughs> right? ball, you can go down to Baltimore and get a yacht for a couple hundred bucks Or an hour. You can rent it for you know a, a thousand and, bucks and, for and, a day that, or whatever. And, and,
1: and, and, that's and that's a good point because this may not even be his, his boat. This could be something yeah. he's It could be a friend boat that that didn't have to pay a a, a a thing for us. So we, we don't right. know. But people are making making assumptions.
3: Yeah, people ran away with this image when it came out. I remember when when this happened. And uh, again, that's why we kind of started out the program talking about that Chris and Sandy Roberts have had their own money for quite a while. Um, it was to such a degree with this image, I remember watching, reading a couple people who actually went out and tried to measure the width of the boat to determine <laughs> the size of it. If it's and, and I hate to say this, most of the people who measured it said it's not a yacht, whatever it's on. It's a, it's a charter or something else, but it's, you, they would not consider the size of this, what they see in this image to be a yacht. Yeah, it looks look like also, a Chris craft. Yeah, like exactly. Craft. Yeah, and if you see the back of the boat, this image doesn't show up, but there's there are other images out there that show that there's a flag uh, that's on the back of the boat. It's not in the UK. It, it, I don't know if it's in Italy or someplace else. Maybe they were vacationing or whatever. The guy would assume they're vacationing because he's sitting out there relaxing with shorts and sunglasses on. But it's interesting to think that there's this idea of that any money that comes in, I don't know if they think Chris should be living in a one bedroom apartment somewhere and that's all that he should be doing. Um, but to, to think that they don't have the financial ability within themselves to be able to enjoy life uh, and produce a good game at the same time, I think is is bad. And I understand there's an idea of people being concerned about where their money is going. We don't want to take anything away from that. Uh, but I think that the fact that we're showing that there are financials, that there are documents that the government, uh, things have to be submitted to the government, uh, and and we do know fast Card, Not to be funny, but you mentioned this earlier. There have been people who've tried to sue CIG, for feeling that there was money being not spent or managed well. Uh, but there haven't been any cases. Even the big case we had with CryEngine, um, it, for the for the most part, CIG has always been on top when it came down to those type of litigations. Boy, so, or or, or if
1: they mm-hmm. have been on top. They changed their their TOS or Euler um, to um to 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 better reflect their intentions to, 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 to the consumer. So, yeah.
3: I, I'm not sure that they changed it for that. I think they changed their EULA. And I could be wrong, Fast Card. You may be absolutely right. I think that the EULA changed based upon where the project was. And I think that at, to go back and reevaluate where we are in the game. For example, in the earlier days, getting a refund was not a big thing. In the earlier, earlier days, if people wanted a refund, they could, they could get their money back. Uh, but as this project has evolved and as money has been spent over the years, uh, they basically had to come to a point where they brought that standard up to having a very broad refund process to saying, if you need your money back, you get 30 days. That's
2: it. Yeah. you know and That's fiscally responsible, right? Exactly. You've got, you're starting to hire people, right? Yeah. And you got to pay people. And whatever you hire people for, it's 30% more for their benefits, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you, you, this is about being responsible to the money it would require a, a change in the refund policy. You can't have volatility uh, on the basis of somebody's Reddit post, yeah. right? Uh, and whims of people just trying to um, take the company up and down with uh, addition and, and subtraction of resources. That would just be crazy. So, now I will say and, this too. CIG
3: has um, been very fair quite often in the refunding policy, even with the 30 day clause. I'll give you an example right? of what I mean. You can't, play Star Citizen for five years or six years and then come back and say, I don't want to fund this anymore. Because that's a tremendous amount of time that's gone by, regardless to the amount of hours that you've been playing the game. Now, I know there's some people who may feel that they should be able to do that. But the reality is your money from five years ago is spent. It's gone. It's paid for employees and a whole bunch of other things. It's not like that money is sitting around in the bank. And quite often people think, well, here's $600 million. That's money that's laying around in the bank. If you go back and look at those financials, you'll quite often see that there was less than a million dollars available in income assets uh, at the end of the fiscal year, because that money gets spent on those five studios and all those employees. Um, So I think that the idea of this is what I was going to say about fairness. There have also been people who have gone to CIG because they've had some type of financial hardship. That hardship could be in relation to health or loss of a job. And they've written into CIG and CIG has refunded them money. So this idea as if, you know, your money is just gone, uh, that was being pushed by a certain channel on Reddit. (laughs) Uh (laughs) That, that, That there was this issue about refunds. Uh, it's not always the case, unfortunately, but we also have to be practical to your point, Captain, that they are running a business, and you can't and it's, we do the same thing with regular video games where people playing, Oh, I played starfield for you know fifteen hours and I asked for a refund. Well, you played for fifteen hours you know <laughs> you, can, you can come ask for a refund now and, and 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 unfortunately, people try to do the same thing with star
2: citizen i i i i i, I worked at I worked at Sears in the paint department when I was sixteen mm-hmm. and we had people who would show up with cans of paint from the 70s <laughs> right they they ain't even filled with paint they are filled with water and say i never used this i want a refund oh right and sears to its credit more often than not would just take care of that person
0: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. right now guess what sears ain't around no more <laughs> right yeah as broad And as ubiquitous and as ostensibly American as Sears was, Sears ain't around no more, right? You need to be something like Nordstrom's with a tremendous luxury markup to have these super broad refund policies. So, again, I think it's rigorous. And to your point, even within that rigor, CIG still functions as human, right? And there's still human beings involved that are leaning in and making making decisions that make sense. Uh, to support people, right, and 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 if they ever get sued, that'll just bolster their case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, for me, uh, this idea of you know that that once you put your money in, there's no way to get it out. Well, there's lots of ways to get it out, but read the fine print. Right. Yeah. Don't put any more money in than you're comfortable with. This you, this game requires forty five dollars. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And let, me, let, me, let me
3: let me say something. Two things before I forget. First of all,
2: I was I was reading. Hey, it's
3: Nick's comment, which is funny. Uh, but, hey, it's Nick saying that you know, yeah, they, they do it to cover their ass and not protect the consumer. That's not what a term of service is. A term of service is an agreement. Said we understand where we both stand on this project. It's like going into a casino in Las Vegas. You you know that the house that that the the betting leans toward the house, but you decide to play anyway. You know, as a consumer, you could say, hey, I know this thing is all leaning toward the house. I'm not going here and play my money. But we still do it. And we do the same thing with Star Citizen. We know that, yes, of course, they're going to protect themselves as a business. But it's also the fact that we agree. We sign off every time we go to that little window and check that box and say, "Okay, CIG, you say that this ship may not look like this at the end of the thing, but I'm going to buy it anyway. Or this ship may not be the the carrot killer but I'm going to buy it anyway. Okay? We, so don't try to put that on them. I'm sorry. That, that is the greedy. We can always say no. We can always walk away and not do it. But the reality is we do. The other thing that I was laughing at was Chauvin's jo- answer. Chauvin said this to you, Captain. Blame craftsman tools. They had a lifetime guarantee with no questions asked. <laughs> right? About no, fears, tell the truth. Which tell is the truth. Hilarious, which is hilarious, you know? <laughs> but it's the truth. I mean, it is the truth. And don't get me wrong. I think that there was a time when taking care of the customer earns something to it. But customer loyalty changed over the years. People right. don't care about that anymore. So that model just goes out the window. You know? oh, but wow. anyway. But yeah, Go Nick, I'm not picking on you. Hang on, Nick, I'm not picking on you. I just wanted to emphasize the fact that we want to be fair about this thing. About the Because ter- we actually had terms of service up and we dropped it because it was a huge subject. Because the terms of service has changed over the years. Admittedly, it has uh, it was much more open and broader in the beginning. Now it is much more narrow and restrictive than it was in the past. But that's but, also because the development process has changed. I think over the years, and, and they have to protect themselves. I'll call it for what it is. They do have to protect themselves as a company.
2: Go, go ahead, Cap. Good, I'll
3: go. I was
2: just going to say, I, I agree. Let's make let's make no mistake. This is an ongoing business concern, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is a this is a uh, this isn't the Cloud Imperium Games nonprofit. This isn't the Cloud Imperium Games um, community. This Mm. is the Cloud Imperium Games Inc, right? (laughs) So this is an ongoing (laughs) business concern that has business realities and legal realities and financial realities. Within that though, there are human beings that have consistently tried to forge community. And for those of you that were at CitizenCon, you saw it manifest, it's just true, right? Um, There are business relationships that I have in my investments. There's a business relationships I have around the corner that don't have the community experience and the community feel that I've had with this project. So things can be more than one thing. Things can have certain components within that other thing. Um, But there are ways that you can do business that are really rapacious and really replete with scamology and there's, there's things that are just innovative and inventive, and because they're unfamiliar, they make us uncertain, right? And we got to really be able to distinguish between the two. Yeah. Sorry, uh, FastCar, go ahead. No, I just want to
1: say that do not use uh, CIG or Star Citizen or Squadron 42 as a savings and loans account do not think that you can put money in and then easily get that money out. That's what, right. that's what, that's basically what, what we're saying. I mean, even though they're all avenues sometimes, you, be, I mean, be sure worth the money that you're putting into, into into the game. That, that's all, that's all we ask. And well, we, had, I, we had a, We had a, we had a, we had a
2: investor versus backer versus donor conversation fast card, right. you, yeah. Meg and I, the other week.
1: Right. right? <laughs> And you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as far as um, w- w- when they change the, the 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 terms of service and the and the you know, sometimes, to me, um, I, I'm, this is just how it seems to me. I'm, I'm I'm probably wrong. Sometimes it seems like the changes follow lawsuits or or, 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 or happen right, mm-hmm. right right after lawsuits. So that's why mm-hmm. that's why to me it seems like sometimes they, they, they change the terms of service right after um, something some kind of verdict that we, that we may or may not know about. Well, having having
2: having been with organizations that do uh, like location based entertainment and gaming, not Dave and Buster's, but like Dave and Buster's, mm-hmm. right? Um, when we do contracts, you do parties, you do things like that. Um, terms of service, the contract, the legalese, the boilerplate, the whole harmless language. Yeah, sometimes it changed because you had an incident, but sometimes mm-hmm. it would change because there's an incident in the business sector. Mm. Right. Or sometimes it would change because the laws changed. Mm. Right. So it can be something that your organization experienced directly, but it can also be like, oh, we see this competitors going through this thing. Let's change our terms and conditions accordingly. Or it could be EU law has changed. Right. So we need to change. Like like there's been a lot of more data protection legal developments that have Mm. manifest. That the and, that, and, that, and that's improved.
1: probably what, what, what I'm referencing—the EU law changed and that's what made, yeah. what made them change. So that's a. I, c- c- a I think it could
3: be all of it. I think it could be all of it. I mean, there right. have been the lawsuits. There have been those times where they've had to go back and probably have to reevaluate. There's the process of how far along the, go- the game has come along. There are the international laws and local law. There's a lot of stuff there that could lead to why these updates and changes come about. But that's why, as a consumer, it's important for us to. I know it's difficult to have to sit there and read it, but that's one of the reasons why the Terms of Service pops up as the very first thing when you click on the launcher. And every once in a while, you need to look at it just to make sure that you understand what's being said there. uh, And there's no nothing's misconstrued because you are still making an agreement when you decide to play Star Citizen.
1: A final point about about the boat thing. There are people who believe, uh, like the game developers should be working on the game twenty four hours a day, three hundred sixty five days a week. They don't deserve a vacation. Let the man get a vacation sometime. He works hard. I'm, mean, as far as I know, he's he still codes the game. So let him have a ride. Let him enjoy himself once in a while. Okay, I don't think it's a big deal. That's just me.
2: Whatever, whatever <laughs> you want that maximizes your work experience where you work. You should want that for everybody else. (laughs) Thank you.
1: All right, so let's move on. Uh, The great micromanager. Basically,
3: go ahead. Yeah, uh, I want to present this as a question to you guys. Um, One of the things we would quite often hear about Chris Roberts personally and why the impact that he would have on development was that he was a perfectionist, that he was a micromanager. Uh, I'm curious to know whether you see any good sides to that or bad sides to that from your perspective. Uh, is this just something that people have often tossed around out there as to why the program, why the, the project is delayed, why it's taking so long? Uh, because he's a micromanager. He's looking over people's shoulders or, you know, he, he wants this perfection thing. Uh, any feedback you guys have about it? I've got my own theory and I'll save my theory for the end, but I'm, I'm curious as to guys, what do you guys think? Do you think that if that is the case? pros and cons to it.
1: I've heard that he is a perfectionist and, you know, there's nothing really wrong about that, but what I've also heard is that Aaron Roberts is the one who, like, Try to, to, to try to manage. Ma- 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 I don't want to say manage Chris Roberts, but you know, manage his expectations. Say, oh, maybe we could do that, or maybe this will take, take time. So, like, mm-hmm. there, there's a yin and yang in, in there. Like, Chris Roberts is a dreamer, but Erin Roberts is, is, is more of a realist. And 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 and, and, and in terms of micromanaging, um, you know, Chris Roberts may uh, say. Uh, you can do this, you do, do, do this, But, you know, he had a dream. He had, a, he had an image in his head or a visual in his head that he, he wants mm-hmm. to see in the game. And he wants to do his mm-hmm. best to, to, to present it to the rest of us, the community. So I don't really see anything wrong with that. It can get out of hand sometimes. But I don't, in my opinion, it hasn't reached that point in, in, to me
2: yet. So I, I remember being in a, a restaurant chain called Houston's. Mm-hmm. Houston's Restaurant. And the, f- the first the reason I remember my first time there was because I feel like my water got filled up by the server like 23 times and I never saw the server do it. Mm-hmm. And then I remember being in Houston's in Manhattan at the City Court Plaza mm-hmm. before they opened. We were sitting in there uh, for some reason right before they opened and they had all the wait staff lined up and everybody had to wear white. And somebody didn't have something on that was right, and they sent them home, right? They sent mm-hmm. them home. Uh, and then I heard that the Houston CEO spent most of his time flying around the country just popping in <laughs> on the restaurants. Mm-hmm. And so they never knew if the CEO was going to be up in the spot, mm. right? Now, some folks would call that micromanagement. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that what it ended up being for the, for the diner, Mm -hmm. was a consistently high quality experience, Mm. right? And so when I think about that in the context of Chris Roberts, I have no idea really. And unless you're there Mm -hmm. and you see it or you're dealing with it, I have no idea whether he's a micromanager. I have no idea what people's definition of micromanagement is Mm -hmm. and whether it's fitting that definition. I think their definition might be different from mine. You know, if if you run an agile shop and you have a huddle every morning, right? And you're dividing up work on the basis of these agile tools. Is that micromanagement or is that detailed management? Is that effective management? Well, here's what I know. Wing commander series of games came out. <laughs> they got done. Mm. They were good, mm. right? Privateer was good. Mm. Freelancer was good. Star Lancer was good. Wing commander, uh, uh, Academy or, or wing commander Armada or whatever. We, we're not going to talk about that one, mm.
0: but <laughs> all the other
2: ones, The the, the stuff got done. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some people define execution as the discipline of getting things done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And along the way, you try to have a culture that doesn't scorched earth the thing. But the result is the result. Right. Either you got it done or you didn't. And so uh, and it was either at a level of quality or it wasn't. So part of the reason I'm involved in this project is because there's been a history of things that have gotten done that I've been able to play that were of a level of quality and storytelling that I enjoyed. Right. And so if he's a micromanager and that micromanagement is going to get this thing done in 20, in the 2020s in a way that is going to be a modern expression of that high level of quality, more power to it. Mm-hmm. Right. I just hope that the culture um, isn't scorched earth on the way to getting there, but only people who are inside could tell you that.
3: Yeah. My my feeling about the idea of micromanaging, obviously micromanaging drives the people who are being micromanaged crazy, right? Right. (laughs) It doesn't drive the micromanager crazy. It drives people who are under it. But uh, to your point, uh, Cap, micromanagement can also be very subjective. Um, I've shared this story before. Um, If you guys haven't had a chance to watch uh, on Disney... Uh, there is a series on for industrial light and magic ILM mm-hmm. and it's multiple episodes. If you get a chance to watch it, it's really, really good to watch. If you guys have ever watched the behind the scenes videos for any of the star Wars films, particularly phantom menace and, and but actually any of them, but particularly like the, for new hope and phantom menace and empire. One of the things that's very interesting is that George Lucas would come in, he'd set up storyboards. They'd go through the storyboards he'd sit there with all of his all of his department heads and he would basically go through the effects areas and he would say this is this is physical you know in other words they build a set for this and then this is going to be green screen and he'd do that he'd do this for the whole show and then everybody would sit there and look and hmm, okay 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 and then he'd say okay that's and he'd leave and then when they would leave they would say how the hell are we going to do this we don't have the technology for it i mean we well, they it, it was never like oh we're going to in other words Lucas didn't come in saying, we're going to do what we did before, but we're going to do something different. And everybody who was at that table sat there perplexed. They literally had to create the technology and create what it was they needed to do to accomplish that vision. Now, I'm not saying that Chris Roberts is George Lucas, but what I am saying is that there is a pattern here that says, if you want to do the same thing you did before, then yeah, you could just go in and do that. But if you're trying to transcend what you did before and do something better and change the way things are done, then that brings a higher level of challenge to those that work around you. Now, for some people who may have sat under Chris Roberts and felt that, you know, he said, this way we're going to design the ship this way. This is what I want. It gets final approval, right? This person works on this thing for a month or two months or three months. They turn it into Chris Roberts and then Chris Roberts says, no, change this. And then the person gets upset and says, well, I did exactly what you told me to do before. Now you want me to change it again? The question is, is that a good or bad? Is that, is that a waste of time? Because now Chris has thought about it more and sees something different that maybe he didn't see, or maybe something changed in another section of the game or whatever. You know, it, but he wants to make it the best that it could be. Now, does that add more time to the process? Possibly. Possibly it does. Um, Those things happen. Changes do happen. Now, the question becomes, how often does it happen? Right. Does it happen behind every single thing? You know, uh, is does it happen every time we get something that it seems to be these changes? Well, then maybe, yeah, maybe we're talking about something that there's a problem there. Uh, But to your point, Fast Cart. There are other people that are buffers between Chris Roberts. There are the Brian Chambers, the Aaron Roberts. Hey, there are all the other people that are on these upper-level people that we see, the pillar people that we talk about, the pillars, right, who also are there to help buffer some of that. But at the same time, it's Chris's vision. I, I fast card, you and I were talking about this before, about uh, the Star Wars franchise. Um, when Star Wars was remastered, for those of you who are too young to remember, <laughs> uh, 1977, 20 years later, uh, George Lucas says, I'm going to redo the films. He not only cleaned them up visually, you know, in the sense of the digital things were much better now. So now they could get rid of all the strings and wires and all the matte stuff. It looked perfect. But he also said, I'm going to put some things in the story that weren't here in the beginning. Things like Jabba the Hutt, meeting him for the first time with Han Solo. There were other sequences. Um, uh, Tatooine, when they went into Moss Eisley, it looked very barren before. Now there were creatures walking around and people. And the fans went nuts. They went crazy don't change our film, that we paid for these original films. This is the nostalgia we grew up on. Don't mess with it, blah, 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 blah. They actually literally protested that they weren't going to support anything else with George Lucas if he touched those films. Mm. Those films got re-released into the theaters and they blew up. (laughs) They they blew up. People enjoyed the stew out of them. But my reason why I'm saying this is, is this. Regardless of how you felt, I grew up, I was one of those people who stood in line for the first Star Wars movie, stood out there for hours and hours and saw it literally, I think I saw the first Star Wars movie like 23 times. I was one of those people. But ultimately, Star Wars was George Lucas's project. It was his baby. When he finished the first movie, he said, it wasn't like he thought about it 20 years later. He said, I couldn't do all the things I wanted to do. The technology wasn't there. The money wasn't there. The time wasn't there. So he goes back later, spends his own money to make the film the way he wants it. And regardless of how I felt about the first movie, whether I believed that Han shot first or didn't shoot first, whatever the case may be, it was still his baby. And I had to be willing to say, do I want to go for that ride or not? Now, I could have protested and said, I'm not going to see another Star Wars film ever because he messed around with those first films. Or I could have sat back and said, let's see what he does. And my suggestion to many people about this project is the same thing. Yeah, I can understand the nostalgia and the feeling and the want for certain things, but things will change in the process of this game. And my thing about the micromanaging is this. If it brings us a better game, if it takes a little bit longer, but ultimately it's the game we want, do we want the average of what's always been pushed out we're going to talk about these games in a little bit when we start talking about the stars the star citizen what do we call them fast the uh the star right. citizen killers right <laughs> do we want one of those star citizen killers or do we want the game that's going to be around for a long time so or do we want that's a game to be
1: out for 10 years or 20 years from now yeah, yeah. right exactly.
2: and from and from a psychology perspective you know there's star citizen and their squadron 42 mm-hmm. squadron 42 is feature complete Mm-hmm. So, for the people that are like, well, can Chris Roberts ever stop meddling? Can he <laughs> stop taking them back? And can he let it come? It's feature complete, mm-hmm. which means that he has seen from a vision standpoint what he wants to see in the features and the experience of the game. And now it's just about polishing those features to a retail readiness. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, I remember it wasn't too long ago that we were supposed to get a, a a cut or a view of, Mm -hmm. of of Squadron 42. And instead we got the behind the scenes of the decision not to give us the cut. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yeah. And that was Chris Roberts going, it's not at where I want it to be. Yeah. And at that point it might've been reasonable to say, will it ever be? Well, the truth is the fact is the reality is it is. Where he wants it to be it is feature-complete and we are getting it after the polish phase. So Good that's point. exciting
1: so I just want to say thank you for the follow Gallo local extreme and thank you for the follow rum mm-hmm. bandit I it, Rum bandit. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I just want to say um Griffin talking about the, the George Lucas video. There's a video from I want to say 2012, 2013. It might be the D C video, or it might be the 2013 Citizen card video, where Chris Roberts is giving his version of, of a dream, and then you, you cut to developers, and they have a similar look <laughs> to <laughs> what the, to what the um, the producers or, or, or graphic designers at 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 Lucas LucasArts. LucasArts. Yeah, Lucas they had so there, there is a parallel between so, so they're like, how are we mm-hmm. going to do all that? So yeah, mm-hmm. I, 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 they had a similar look in in, in some of those videos. Mm. All right, with that, we're going to move on to financial transparency. So yeah, it's going to click on this real quick and get to this VentureBeat uh, article. So, so this an interview why Chris Roberts, raised another forty six million to finish his sci fi universe. This is, you know, well, it came out in 2018, but yeah, That
3: was the marketing. That was for the marketing money, if I'm not mistaken. Fast Cart, that particular article.
2: That's the marketing for Squadron 42 in particular.
3: Right. 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 Right.
2: right. Why don't you elaborate on that, Cap? Well, yeah, we talked a little bit about this during the investor piece, but what what they wanted to do was to bring in money that was going to be specifically for the marketing of Squadron 42. Uh, And they were willing to um, give up anywhere between 10 and 25 percent. I've seen different numbers of the ownership of the company to investors, um, you know, and essentially those investors, um, uh, the way the way that Chris Roberts talks about it is they had a lot of um, venture capital cats who came at them Mm. about trying to get into the project and they met with different people. And the vibe wasn't right. They were getting publisher vibe. They were getting, I want return on investment immediately vibe. But mm-hmm. when they met with Clive Calder and what Clive, what Clive Calder calls the family um, <laughs> the family office or the family project mm-hmm. of investments, when they met with Keith Calder, his son, Keith Calder and his wife have a company called Snoop, 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 Snoop Entertainment mm-hmm. um, that does some investing in these types of projects. When they met with them, they got along really well and it seemed like the Calders got Mm-hmm. the fact that you know Chris must have looked at them and said, listen, this is going to take as long as it takes. And yeah. the bottom line is, I'm going to do it the way I need it to be done. And they're like, do whatever it is you need to do. We're here for the long term. We're here to be a part of the project. And so they must have said the right things that, that, that Chris allowed them into the space. Mm-hmm. And then it was very clear that it's not our money that is providing the marketing for Squadron 42. Mm-hmm. It is somebody else's money, right? And that somebody else has bought into the project in a way that allows Chris and Aaron and the C suite and Sandy and others to do it the way they feel it needs to be done. So, mm-hmm.
1: did you Which want I it to? I thought was read?
2: interesting.
1: Did you want course, to? read sir. This part
3: that, um, I can read it real quick. It was just some highlights from the article. Um, I'll read it real quick. Um, this is from Games Beat Guys. It says, on some of the details here you're required in some way to report financials for a particular regulatory reason, or were you? And, uh, Chris Roberts says, we're split between the UK operation, which handles the rest of the world and the U S operation, which handles North America. There are two cloud imperium entities in the UK. Even if you're a private company, you have to post your financials and board of directors and everything for company on company house, which is the UK's regulatory body. We've been doing that for quite, quite a few years. One problem we have is everyone just looks at the headlines such as Star Citizen raises 200 million dollars so they made it immediately think we're off it on a deserted island sipping piña coladas and on the back of a super yacht but we have 500 odd people in five studios spread around the world and it costs money to run an operation like that the money we bring goes all goes all you, Captain Jones Thank you very much Captain Jones goes all into development So we said, maybe if we're just open about it and show the financials, people will understand that. Of course, there will probably be some people that won't because we can't do anything and we can't do anything about that. That was the impetus for sharing the financials with the community. It's something we've discussed internally for a long time, just because we feel like we owe it to everybody who supports us. We're open about development, so why not be open about the other stuff? So the reason why we're mentioning that, guys, is that the information is out there. If people have questions about the spending, the finances, again, like we said earlier, who's on the board of directors, all that stuff, it doesn't take much to dig it up. Even on RSI's or Cloud Imperium's website, they will post their annuals there, too. So just be aware that the information is out there. And that's one of the myths, you know, well, where's our money going? We're where we spending it on. You can go there and you can find out that information.
1: Yes, you can. Again, Catherine Jones, thank you for the five gifts. I appreciate it. Thank mm-hmm. you.
2: Go ahead, Cap. No, I was just saying, I agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool.
1: Right, so yes, that is that. And you know, up next we have, okay, Sandy Gardner, Sandy Roberts uh, is unqualified to be uh, vice president of marketing. Uh, this was, I don't, know, I don't know, when this started, this was, this, when, when do you think this started, Griff or, or, or Cap, if you know?
2: So there was a, an escapist article Mm -hmm. that um, did Sandy no service Mm -hmm. in terms of, it said something about, you know, she didn't like like this black woman being at the front desk in CIG and it painted her as slightly prejudiced and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. And it's after that that I started seeing this whole narrative of like, why is she in the project at all? And I think it was the first time that people broadly became aware that Chris and Sandy were a couple with kids. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, some people pay attention to the project, knew that well before the Escapist article, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the first time people became broadly aware of it, and they decided on the basis of that article that they were going to make some judgments about Sandy's qualifications to be involved in, in the project. Um, she's first of all, she's a co founder, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So right.
2: If I'm a co-founder, I'm involved in the project however I want to be involved in the project, right? <laughs> um, so just that and there, but because yeah, it Yeah, because it was their money. Because it was their money. <laughs> correct. When they started, that was, that was about coming out of their... Right.
0: Yeah, it, to do, they that's and that's what we are doing.
2: <laughs> right. Right. Um, but what's important to understand about uh, Sandy's background, you know, um, is that probably 10 years before Chris came to her and Chris went to GDC and they did any of that. She had her master's in business and marketing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Right. Um, so she produced, she was an assistant director at Fox studios in Australia. She did uh, hosting of shows on MTV, Asia Pacific. Right. So she's an actress, right? Mm-hmm. So she has been, um, in, in the world of entertainment and developing entertainment product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was doing that for upwards of a decade before Star Citizen even came around. Now, there's a lot of people who do marketing who don't have degrees in marketing, mm-hmm. but I can tell you that in my experience, the people who have degrees in marketing are much better at telling you why they're doing a particular thing mm-hmm. in the marketing space than people who don't. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean Anything what what means everything is results, right? And so there's no doubt that Sandy put CIG on the platform that it's been on in terms of marketing, mm-hmm. in ways that have delivered uh, the results. I think that even internally they were blown away by what happened from the website to the Kickstarter to the website breaking down to the new website to the mm-hmm. to to blowing away all the stretch goals. Right. I think um, they had a strategy. She was central to that strategy. So when people say she's unqualified, they'd have to tell me what qualified looks like.
1: Right. And I, I'm going to be real quick for, for, for Griff goes and say they made so much money, especially doing a Kickstarter, even now that they continue to make money. How is she unqualified? How how, how are people saying that a Star Citizen is a, is a bad business model and stuff like that? But Yeah, that's I think, those are my couple, my question. But go ahead, Greg.
3: I, I think some of the unqualified came from what Cap mentioned a few minutes ago. There was this feeling of because this was another thing that got stirred up as a as a big deal was that there was the um, uh, what's the word? Uh, oh God just flipped out of my head that quick family thing. Um, Oh, nepotism? Um, Nepotism, right, because you've got Aaron Roberts, his brother, and then, as you mentioned, Cap, some people didn't know that Sandy was married to Chris, even though there are tons of pictures and things of them together forever since the beginning of the project. Um, And and, and to to a certain point, whose business was it anyway? I mean, I didn't know for years that Ben's wife was the person that was working in marketing, too. Ben, uh Lesnick's wife, right? It took yeah, a while Ale- before Alexis. I realized. Alexis. Alexis. But that's because Alexis's last name was Lesnick. I finally heard it one day and said, oh, that's his wife. But I don't go around looking at the show saying who's married to who on the project. Now, for some reason yeah. or other, we as backers feel like we need to know who's married to who. But I think the fact that where she was at her level, there also might have been a little bit of jealousy because a lot of these jokers wanted to hit on Sandy and found out... <laughs> she was married. She model. <laughs> not was only the, not well, only can you, you not face, hit on her she was the face she's she, the big dog's wife she, right well yeah but she was the face remember when we started out conventions Sandy was the person who came out on stage first and introduced everybody mm-hmm. and there were a lot of backers out there who fell in love with sandy Gardner right um so I'm just saying and I don't know what all the motivations were but my point is is that into your point cap and to your point fast card. She has done an outstanding job within the position that she was in, working with marketing, getting things off the ground. And some people, but well, she wasn't in gaming. You don't have to be in gaming if you've gone to school for marketing. You can apply marketing skills and strategies almost in any area. You just need to do your research, and, and that's what she did. And we have to applaud them. fastcart you always talk about who is it who always says that CIG has the worst business model? Who's their favorite oh, publication? Yeah. yeah. They'll say it's the worst business model, but yet and still they've made Ridiculous amount of money, which we just don't understand. But anyway, I think that's where some of it may have come from, with her being "quote unquote" unqualified. She is qualified, <laughs> but you
1: know, and and now she, she stepped down so for a couple of years. Right. Ago, so yep. so yep. Yep. yeah,
3: they, they they passed off marketing to a company now that I think that does it. And some people who work internally on it. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, uh, they, they, yeah they still they still got a, uh, a chief marketing officer, Elliot yep, Chin. Yeah, yep. Um. And their partnership with some of these third parties Mm -hmm. is simply extending the framework that she put in place. Yep. Absolutely. All
3: right.
1: So, up next, we have.
2: Okay. (laughs) Here we go.
1: Here we go. Up next, we have. Dark Citizen can't be made ever. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want me to play the audio on this or, or uh, you know? no?
2: You know what? No. No. no.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. I will got the audio. You, but go ahead. Yeah. Talk you you got to earn your
2: voice. You got to earn your voice on this channel. can
1: can't be made ever. think Derek Smart. well <laughs> yeah, yeah, this video that um, am uh, this is from who is it? Um, oh, the season money talk about um th- that, that thoughts about Derek Smart and. And some of the stuff that going on between Star Citizen and Chris Wallace and Derek Smart. So, that in um, in chat, real quick. Right, go ahead.
3: Uh, let me see if I can pull something from the from the uh, musings page that maybe can help people understand what this was. So, some of you may remember that there were, in particular, a gentleman of a developer who uh, Derek Smart, who uh, was one of the most vocal. Uh, outspoken people about the project. Now, Derek admittedly uh, had originally signed up for the project, uh, had supported and backed the project. But at some point, he began to question some of the decision making and um, the development ideas uh, for Star Citizen. And uh, both on, on the CIG forums, as well as his own forums and blogging, Uh, And he had a voice in the community. Derek Smart was a very well-known industry professional for many, many years. And so a lot of people who listened to Derek started to raise those same issues and questions. Uh, But Derek uh, or Mr. Smart uh, took it to a level of saying that there were certain things technologically that could not be pulled off. Uh sometimes it would be qualified. Sometimes it would be they would need this much money in order to do it. I think if I'm remembering correctly, FC at one point he said they'll need at least two hundred million dollars. Which back 150. then
0: 150.
3: Yeah, which back then sounded ridiculous because we're talking about back when they only had like maybe forty or fifty million dollars. So to say that they needed one fifty or two hundred million, uh, seemed like such a number that was so far away. Uh but and then of quick. course
1: yeah. Real quick, to, to your point, that he also made a statement saying they would need 10 years to make Pluto planet a, a thing. They did it in three months. But Go ahead, yep. continue, please.
2: Oh, no, no. He would need 10 years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, I'm saying yeah. that's what he said, though. That's what he said.
1: Yeah,
3: but yeah,
2: he he'd said certain
3: things were not going to be able to happen, technically, or they would need a lot of time to do them. Uh, but what we have seen is that over the years, many of the, I'll just say, concerns that he had, uh, we've seen them slowly dissolve. We've seen them achieve many of the things that he would talk about. Now, again, uh, the perspective, I'm not sure what the measuring bar was for him. If he was using the measuring bar based upon technology today or based upon his own, uh, his own level of design, whether he was saying certain things would not or could not be done, in some ways he was right. They did need more than $200 million to be able to do this project. They did need at least 10 years to do it. So in some areas, very much correct. But the problem was, was that he wasn't stating it from an informative position of saying, well, we want you guys to know that it's going to take at least 10 years to see this. He was saying, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because, because they'll need to do this in order to, and it's not going to happen, or the the funding will dry up. There's no way that the money is going to continue to come in uh, in order for them to support a project of this scale. Okay. Uh, Quite often, he believed that they would have to scale back on things, that they wouldn't be able to deliver certain things, that they would basically have to deliver an average version of what the original pitch and dream was. So this went on for quite quite a few years and got to be very (laughs) um, not hostile. That's not the word I want to use, but it did get pretty adversarial, adversarial. Yes. Um, And many magazines. And I want to ask you guys about this. Um, And I've said this before. on Soul Voices, and I I don't think I've ever presented it here, but I've always been a bit
0: disappointed that gamers who used to be the people who dreamed and
3: desired for something more have become cynical. That, 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 you know, for the magazines and periodicals and the journalists, for them to question it, because quite often they don't understand everything about development, and for them to hear of a project that's lasting this long or is making so much money, to a certain degree, I understand their questioning. You know, they're they, they and they're there to ask questions, and that's okay to ask questions. I'm not saying they should just just fall right in line, but I I, I have become disappointed that gamers have become so jaded and cynical, and mars- partially not their fault. The industry has made them that way. Loot boxes. Failed projects, uh, failed Kickstarters, ripoffs of projects that never came into fruition over time could kind of build that cynicism. But I am somewhat disappointed that gamers are no longer the dreamers. Uh, th- th- and maybe it's because we've been burnt so much. Maybe it's because we've been bitten so many times that we no longer can feel like we can afford to be that vulnerable. But you know, for me, I still can be that. With this project, uh, you know, to steal from Captain Series Fun, as always, I have room for one star system. I can't be this way for every project that's out there. I'd be in the right. nut, in the nut oh, house. Lord! Right. But to have one project that I can honestly hope will be that thing. And, and, and as long as I see evidence, I'm not trying to be blind about this. I'm not trying to be. But for so many gamers who have jumped on board with, with Derek's negativity, I was always surprised. I was always surprised that people were quoting him as an authority. Maybe it was because he was a game developer,
2: you know? But, let know, let me say, let me say this. And I have not publicly spoken about my views on Derek smart until this moment. So you get a hot, a hot, a hot Derek <laughs> a smart opinion. Um, Derek, when you say Derek smart, um, Maybe he wasn't informed. Women do his name
3: three times in a row. You know the rumor. Right. Right? Say it three times in a row he shows <laughs> up. Too late.
2: <laughs> I, I wish. I wish he would show up. Right. Um, <laughs> it, I feel like he knows exactly what he's talking about mm-hmm. when he talks about um, this idea that uh, when he sees hype, when he sees. Uh you know dreaming when he sees big ambitious hairy audacious goals mm-hmm. because that's the way he hyped up his game
0: yeah
2: battle yeah. cruiser three thousand a d in two thousand and three <laughs> gamespy <laughs> listed its twenty five most overrated games of all time
0: mm-hmm.
2: battle cruiser three thousand a d was number nineteen. Mm. due to the hype Smart produced with his gameplay promises that he would be ultimately ultimately unable to fulfill. Battlecruiser 3000 AD was listed by GameSpot as the most, they say, quote, it will go down in legend as one of the most bug-ridden, unstable, unplayable pieces of software ever released. (laughs) And Next Generation said that the patches for it broke as many elements as they fixed. Mm. Now, sometimes Star Citizen functioned like that sometimes mm. yeah, it's fair so maybe fair. he thought game recognizes game mm. and i know that i was full of crap when i was mm-hmm. making the promises i make so i see myself in this project mm. and the problem is just because a thing is presenting the same way doesn't mean people are functioning with the same mindset the same approach the same uh ethos mm. right so there have been lots of folks who actually reviewed and dealt with the products of Derek Smart Mm -hmm. uh, who were saying things that he ended up saying about Cloud Imperium because he thought they were functioning the way he was functioning Mm -hmm. but actually no this project was going for something much bigger and what's crazy about it I think in his heart of hearts he may have been trying to go for something much bigger but just couldn't bring it home Mm -hmm. right and so then he decided to say well because I couldn't do it it can't be done Mm. Right? No, you couldn't do it with Battlecruiser 3000 AD. You couldn't get it done. But Derek Derek
3: became... but But let me throw something at you, though. The thing that was unique about Derek, and we're not picking on Derek, but this is a part of the history of what happened with why so many people felt a certain kind of way about Star Citizen. There was some level of credibility that Derek had. Not just his voice with blogging and all that, but there was something that people just gave him credibility on that allowed that negativity to blossom. And I mean, to the point where people were bringing him on their shows, interviewing him, magazines were interviewing him, getting his opinion on whether or not this could be accomplished and done. And that blew out. I mean, you know, that level of, I'm not going to use the word propaganda, but that level of information permeated in places. You know what I mean? People don't even know about star citizen, never played star citizen, heard his voice more than it was because they played the game for themselves and tried it out. It was because they heard that Star Citizen is a failure or a scam or not going to happen or is impossible to do. You know, what gave him such a resonant voice that so many people heard that more than, as gamers, just tried the game for themselves
2: and said, Let's, let me see what it's like. The corollary, the corollary to a lie gets around the world before the truth gets its pants on. Mm. Mm, is 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 the current environment of discourse around gaming right -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know anytime there's some negativity for some reason the algorithms will make that catch fire yeah right um and then if you post consistently about it uh, you know you become a voice in that space and you have folks that are refundians who have had moments where they've posted consistently about it and gotten their 15 minutes of fame in different corners and, 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 and places. Yeah. Derek was published by Take-Two Interactive. He was published mm-hmm. by Interplay, mm-hmm. right? Um, these things happened. He, he had credibility, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's, for me, that's, that, that's how I see it. Fast card, what about you?
1: So I'm just going to reference one of these articles. Carlos, uh, you're sick. This was obviously the six-year star center. He, he posts one of the um, uh, messages from um, the chairman's chairman's club news and stuff about, stuff about our special announcement um, atmospheric kit. It is P uh, Asia Dynamics and wave one and wave two and wave three. This is on um, back in I want to say twenty eighteen. Okay, so mm-hmm. he put the he post that then says. Um, all things considered, I'm going to highlight here because it's probably too small for people to see. I'll put it in the link in, in, a, in a bit. But all things considered, when you look at the current state of the game, what they have in here and there right now, etc., it's easy to see that even after raising over $200 million, that was back then, they still haven't delivered even the base game for which they raised uh, over $3 million back in November 2012. Nor, over the, nor the overscope game for which they raised 55 million in November 2014. So it stands to reason that they had not continued to monetize Scope Creek for only 60 purposes, of the project would have failed since 2015. Right around the time, sources told myself and the Escapist magazine that they were running out of money and had barely enough funds for 90 days of operation. <laughs> so. I I don't know how people can 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 still listen or give credence to, um, to, to some of the stuff that um, said that obviously had been proven true untrue uh, later on, um, mm-hmm. and what Griffin you talk about why people uh, why gamers are like this I, I I blame tribalism because some people say like in order for you to succeed someone else had to fail and instead mm-hmm. of like. Um, what is it? You're supposed to raise all boats. It, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Rising tide, it, it, yeah, rising tide. Rising tide, raise all boats. So I don't know why people go the negative way instead of trying to raise everyone and so everyone can concede. I don't see that. Maybe it's a generational thing. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but tribalism um, seems to play a part in, 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 my, um, in my my opinion. You have to tear, mm. you have to tear, start this and dot down in order to raise another game up. And we'll get to um, some of the games examples in, in a bit. But um, mm. one of the other things, like, Derek did have a, well, I guess he continued to have, like, a um, a voice in, 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 in the game development community because I want to say, like, seven, eight years ago, there were people saying that they wish Chris Roberts and Derek would team up to finish Star Citizen. That is mm. the actual quote that someone said. And I, think, I believe it was in a video or article, you know, video, so yeah. So, <laughs> what have you? Good point. All right.
3: I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm done. Really.
1: Oh, you are done? Okay. All right. So up next we have, <coughs> uh, uh Suncast Galaxy. You want to cover that? Take that one.
3: Yeah. You know, I do want to say, if you don't mind, because of ahead. the time, because of the time where we are right now, um, I want to, s- yep. Yeah, I want to go back to something that was something that was said on the escapist article. Um,
1: I think we skipped that
3: one. Yeah, I know. I know. But this is a point I want to mention based on what you just shared. And I'm going to put the article in. I'm going to put the, uh, the, uh, the link. No, this is a different link. This is an entirely different different link. link. Yeah. I I actually put the wrong link in for uh, that one. Uh, This is an archive link there. uh, If you guys want to see it, but this is interesting. It says, Stardust's employees speak out on project woes. This was also in Escapist, okay? But what was interesting about this was the person basically said the reason why they thought the project would fail is because it was too ambitious. You know, and this goes back to my question I was asking earlier. When did gamers start worrying about being too ambitious? I mean, developers, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I can understand it. Like I said, you know, the old George Lucas thing, right? The people sit there and say, how the heck are we supposed to do this? We don't even have the tech. Well, Lucas was being ambitious. Yeah. What happens when your staff thinks that when, when the people who are working don't have, have the vision has not caught on with them? I'm not saying that you can't be pragmatic and, and try to be realistic. But. George Lucas had to have people around him who believe that we don't know how we're, but this guy believes we will. You know what I'm saying? What happens when the people that work with you don't have that vision or see the vision that you see? You know, if, if their vision is the average work a day world in game development or to produce what has always been produced, what impact does that now have? And then when their voice goes out and then we give them a certain level of Respect because they work in the industry, and then they go out and publish something and get an interview and say, Well, he's being too ambitious. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know where you find the balance
2: in that, you know. Because my know. guess is, my guess is it's an evolution, Griff. I think I would imagine that CIG is much better now mm-hmm. at connecting people to the vision mm-hmm. because uh, it's been refined
0: mm-hmm.
2: and refined and refined than they may have been earlier on, right? Where Mm -hmm. you got a bunch of people who may be all dreaming, but are they dreaming the same dream, right? Um, And if they're dreaming a slightly different dream, then as things change, some people catch feelings because that wasn't part of my dream about it. So I think earlier on, you had a lot of the same problems in the backer community as you had on staff, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then as... You know, as Chris as a human being and Aaron and others started to refine the dream and started to become clearer, right, then people who wanted to be about that dream were able to buy in more fully. And now they can onboard people to a very clear vision, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that happened as an as an evolution. I think there were some, some components of it that were immutable and that have been around since the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're going to do a game that's going to lead to a persistent universe. Like I'm a PC guy. Like there's some Mm -hmm. stuff that's just been, that was compelling in the, in the 2012 videos.
0: Right.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but other stuff has evolved. Um, and, um, you know, so I think that, that they're, they're much better now, um, with, with that internal, uh, messaging than maybe they were, um, earlier on. Um, I, I was I'm not I haven't been there, but you don't see a lot of people I mean you see one or two, but you don't see a lot of people um going to outlets talking about how we can't agree on anything internally. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't see that.
2: And you know and you know outlets are asking, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know outlets are hitting LinkedIn going, Hey, this is to kotaku, you wanna tell us anything? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You yeah. know they're asking. So, right. Royce, First, thank you Darby, so much for, this, thank you for the
1: subscription for 17 uh, months. Mm-hmm.
2: Appreciate it. Thank you very much. So,
1: yeah. Griffin, I am mm-hmm. to answer your question. I'm not a developer, so I'm going to have to answer your question with a question with a question, and I dislike doing this, but this is just a prove a point. Mm-hmm. Has is game development in 2014 or the past 10 years is it harder now to to develop a game than it was 15 years ago? But it seems to me the question the answer is yes so maybe these people who are, who are employees or former employees mm-hmm. haven't adjusted to the current um, modern standards or modern technology and they're having trouble uh, maybe some of them are having to adjust to to meet the um ambition that uh Chris Roberts have That may be part of it. I'm not well, sure I'm not it- of about it.
3: That, that's a good point there, I'll give you an example Feskart. There are players People I've heard you know, Who are backers of Star Citizen Who will say Why is it necessary To be able to read the name On that screw You know what I'm saying that yeah, level of That's ambition, our level
2: of detail right? yeah,
3: yeah but I'm, I'm just saying They, they, they think and, and uh, I'm not trying to say anything negative Toward them I'm not when I say this For them It's not necessary you know they they can play the game, and that thing being there means nothing to them, and that's okay for them, right? But they will view that as that's too much. Yeah, it, it, it's it's too much. It's not necessary. It's it's too ambitious. That level of detail. Who sees it? I mean, who's stopping and looking at the freaking plant and noticing that there's a worm crawling on it? Well, I, they may I not be right, but I am. And, and to me, that means something to me. Now, does that add more time to development?
2: Probably.
1: <laughs>
2: but, well, I mean, to, to, to your question, though, Griff, and mm-hmm. to, to, to FastCart's question to the question, mm-hmm. I, this has always been the case, that there are games that if the buyer had alpha test level line of sight to the mm-hmm. development, mm-hmm. they would have questioned, do you mm-hmm. need to do that? Right. Right? Right. Ultima, Ultima Four, uh, or Ultima, um, yeah, Ultima Four, Quest of the Avatar, that came out in 1985. Mm -hmm. Right? And it was this complex interplay of virtues that you had to manage in order to get to the Mm -hmm. final stages. Right? And there were eight virtues. I guarantee you (laughs) that if that was open development, Somebody, some group of people would have been saying, well, why you got to have eight virtues? Eight, Is it right. four enough? we only really need four, right?
0: <laughs> no, that's true. Why
2: are you so that's ambitious? True. That's true. It's because they're seeing the sausage being made that they go, well, right. do we need all this sausage? Do right. you need all them spices? Right. Right. If the game just arrived, right, there would be a whole different conversation. It's because we're seeing it along the way. And so, Fast Card, I feel like there have been games that were groundbreaking and game-changing all along the way, that mm-hmm. if we saw it while it was being built, we would question, well, why are you going for that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know? So Nick just Nick
3: dropped a good point here, and I remember this. Uh, he said about the moist eyeballs. People were like, what do I care about moist eyeballs? Right. But guess what? And I'm not picking on this game, y'all. I'm not picking on this game. But when Starfield came out, one of the things I heard people criticizing about was that their eyes looked dead. That was one of the biggest things. So it's just funny you know we don't think about that levels and to your point cap that sausage being made thing if in case y'all don't know what that means i don't know if everybody in the room knows what that means probably not go ahead <laughs> i
2: drop all kinds of stuff people don't know they're like, hey, i Ultima. do too i do too the ultimate yeah. series they're like what could what games it those? Yeah, right right, so. right i mean
3: chick <laughs> sausage be made will make you not want sausage y'all that's basically what it comes okay uh, you just want that end you're, product you're that
1: gated, you can buy it.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're going you, in you, and out. you don't want to see sausage being made because you don't want to eat it later on. That's all we're saying, okay? You, you want the way that, you know, you just want to see the final product. Uh, but seeing sausages being made is not the greatest thing in the world. Um, so, to that point, um, I, I think you made a very good point there, Cap and and Askar. Both of you guys made great points on this question that he asked uh, about why. We feel a certain way about development, uh, and we'll talk about that. That that there's benefits to transparency and negatives to transparency. Ow, we need to, we need to move on because our, our time is yeah. gone by. So. And
1: Radu, thank you for the, get the to get this up to Thank you, Rad. One. Thank it. you
3: very much. Thank you very so much. you want to
1: go to Destroyed or the Killers,
3: Let's go to let's. Well, yeah, we're going to skip past sunk cost galaxy. Let's just go ahead and go to Destroyed and pick that up from there because that's everybody will be familiar with that one. I think. Ow, I'm Banzai says, "Mmm, sausage being made." I <laughs> uh, so,
1: so there is audio to there, but it's only thirty seconds
2: long, and I, and I got it on loop. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 that.
3: Well, why don't you give a prelude? Why don't you tell people what
2: it is oh, first? Because some people sorry. may not know.
3: You can tell them really quick. So, yeah.
2: Really, uh, really quick. Sham pasta. Thank you for the gift sub Oh, thank oh, you, Shrimp. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. So, yeah, twenty seconds. You can let it run. You
1: can
3: let it run fast. Cart while you talk. Oh,
1: let it run. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. gonna put it on mute. Okay. So, 2016 Citizen Con, uh, we go to Lear 3. Uh, this is a point that Griffin loved to make. And you see this pop up on, on, on Lear 3. The Great Sandworm. So, this is 2016 Citizen Con during a presentation. And <laughs> <laughs> Destroyed Dream. I, I, well, I, I, I've got to let, let, let Griffin um, take over for that. like yeah. right? Destroyed Dream?
3: Yeah, the title of this is Destroyed Doom Dreams, to be specific. Um, yeah, when we saw this, Fast Cart was there with me. We were both in LA and everybody saw this thing and cheered. I mean, it was it was from a marketing standpoint, Cap. This was this was amazing to see it CitizenCon. Um, but later on, within a year's time, within a year's time, um, um another meme started. And the meme that still prefer, even to this, I saw it this year, I saw it this year. Where is my sandworm? <laughs> still comes up every once in a while. Yeah, where is the sandworm, okay? Um and and so uh,
2: I I know I know where
3: it is. Yeah, I know where it is. I, I know it's where on it is.
0: So <laughs> yeah, layer, layer three.
2: 3.
3: Yeah, it's, it's only on layer, layer three. 3. Yeah, and 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 so many of us, I'll say us, I wasn't included, but I'm saying it to sound inclusive. Um so many backers got so excited about this. And usually when something came out at CitizenCon, within a couple of years, you'd see a lot of that stuff finally kind of slowly creep into the game. Well, the sandworm never showed up. And so, you know, there was a conscious and subconscious thing with this particular clip that we're showing you guys. Probably 80%, 85% of the people in the room who witnessed this and people who watched CitizenCon were very familiar with the Dune franchise. And as you guys know, Dune is a very well-beloved science fiction franchise for folks who were geeks like us and the idea of of a quote-unquote sandworm it's not called the sandworm by the way um but the idea But that's what we called it was the sandworm from doom you know it was just something that hit us in our science science fiction psyche deep down we resonated with this thing and we wanted to see it and when it didn't come out we held this as the main thing that CIG lied to us about. They <laughs> lied to us because we were supposed to have the <laughs> sandworm. And uh, the reality is that when this video starts, and you guys can go back and watch it anytime you want, when it opens up within the very first few seconds in the bottom left corner, it says Lear 3. And as you guys know, CIG is really big on their lore. They decided to use a segment from this Lord to introduce several things. They introduced the sandworm. They introduced here's some things that they did give us that were in this same video. The Ursa Rover was seen in this video. All right, a whole bunch of stuff. The the uh, the constellation Aquila. Aquila was introduced in this video. Uh, the sand people with their uniforms was introduced into this video. Dragonfly. Uh, the, the derelict. The dragonfly introduced in this video. Oh, Jay. The, Jay, the, Jay the, just said it in chat. Yeah. The derelict javelin was introduced. All these things were introduced in this video. The one thing that didn't show up, we have held on to and said, (laughs) where's my sandworm? Where's my sandworm? Okay. so, you know, again, these videos were done to give us ideas of concept and idea of where they wanted to go. It wasn't supposed to be delivery is coming within the next year, but it was to let us know where they wanted to go. But unfortunately, this became a thing and it still is for many people. Where is the sandworm? You know, the three. Not, that's, it, that's the answer. It ain't in Stanton. How about that? It ain't in Stanton. <laughs> it ain't in Pyro. It ain't in Terra. It ain't in Magnus. I take that all off you It ain't in. Ni-
0: <laughs> okay, y'all. Nope.
3: It's not there. So l- let's let the sandworm rest in peace until we get to Lear. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, Simpasta, <laughs> thank you for the two guest sub. Uh, thank you, Simpasta. Matt Dow, thank you Mad for the tip ch- 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 hey, ch- 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 for thirty six months. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Man. And I think I'm caught up. Jim Pasta again. Pasta. Oh, yeah. that's all. Jim Pasta gave three. Jim Pasta. Yesterday. Oh my
3: goodness. Yeah, yeah on thank a roll. you for that.
1: So yeah. I mean, like I, I, I was there in twenty sixteen. I, I saw it come up. I remember seeing, you know, well, I think I might have forgotten Real 3 at, at one point in time. I was like, so where's the one?" I, then I go back and say, oh, Real 3. Okay, that makes sense. Mm. <laughs> so I might have forgotten <laughs> it at some point. So it might have been me doing wrong. But, you know, their, their, their problem is easily fixed if you do some research, put it that way.
2: And what's funny about it is the backlash to this had, had CIG going. You know, we're just such sci-fi fans that we want to have some fun yeah but there's a percentage of the community that can't have fun with us in this way mm. right we can't have nice right. things <laughs> right and so there might have been other references and other things that we might have had fun with that that but we oh, can't do it and, this way at this it, type it, of event we have to do other things so and it's it too bad
1: and we had the fan people because you had to the, the, the closing yeah, them I okay, them. my bad. I so mentioned there was another thing that, only, that we got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, 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 there's only so many different ways that you can have people running around in the sand and and, and, and look, you know, like they should be able to run around in the sand. So yeah. I'm like, that, the, uh, so some of it may be an homage, some of it just may be impractical. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. And some of it was, there it was it an was the homage to Star Wars, there was the homage to Dune right. here. Uh, and and it's not the first time they've done that. When they introduced the Reclaimer, if you guys remember, they did that whole trailer based on the movie Aliens. You know, it's not the first time that they've done that. You know, I'm not sitting around asking, where's the alien planet at? You know, (laughs)
0: that's just
3: what they, that's what they use to introduce concepts and ideas to us. And we have to kind of be able to discern through that too, that, you know, they're just giving us, again, it's proof of concept of what they want to be able to give in the game. So, But I think this next part is going to be fun.
1: Uh, (laughs) The Star Citizen Killers. (laughs) <laughs> so we're starting off with Elite Dangerous. That was going to be a uh, start a killer back in the day. Well, I, mean, I don't have a video for, for Elite Dangerous, but yeah. No,
3: that's okay. Well, well hold, on, hold on to that, showing that video there, because that one I want you to actually play. So just hold on okay. to that one. Let's, let's deal with Elite first. All right. Um, I was an Elite player. Uh, Cap, were you, elite? you were an Elite player too, weren't you? Yeah, I'm a
2: lifetime expansion pass holder and premium Ooh, beta. Right. You wow, in both
3: feet. You went in I with got
2: both feet. I got about 4,000 hours into Elite. Actually, this is an Elite hat. It's an Elite Dangerous hat. <laughs> oh, check that out. Um, yeah, big into Elite probably, uh, you know, spent in the thousands on their cosmetic store supporting mm-hmm. the project. Um yep have all the ships, had the fleet carrier of $5 in credits. Now, did you do beta? Um, Did you do beta? Did did beta, was a premium beta player. So I did Hmm. that. I
3: did beta. And I played up through just short of engineers. That's when I got out. Okay. Um, But interestingly enough, and maybe, Cap, you could probably talk about it in greater detail. I was not in the elite community so much. I wasn't an org or a group that I played with. But I didn't know... That there was a, people in the, many people in the elite community felt a certain kind of way about Star Citizen. I kind of looked at both those games. I, I knew David Braben, you know, who was creating that. I knew Chris Roberts, who was creating that. I saw both of them talking about the games they wanted to create. I got behind both of them and financially supported them. Uh, I beta tested on 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 Elite uh, and, and enjoyed it and enjoyed it. Um, but I do remember just a little bit of chip on the shoulder with the elite players. Oh, absolutely. That, that, that absolutely. Because their game, because, that their game because, was out, that their game yeah. was out. Now, maybe you could you, talk a little bit because I didn't realize it
2: was way more than a chip. I didn't know. Oh, that. It was absolutely an arrogance and a hostility on the frontier forums, on the elite dangerous forums. There was a a um, an ongoing category to discuss Star Citizen. Mm. Um, because they believed that frontier and 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 the elite team, Sandra San Marco and uh, Ed Lewis and David Braben and everybody who was there at the beginning took the right quote unquote right path mm-hmm. to development
0: mm-hmm. and got
2: something mm-hmm. done. yeah, right.
3: Yep. and and that was the, excuse me, the t- that was the big thing back then, right? It was like why don't they do like elite did? Put the game right. out and then build on it from there. Right. That was the right. big
2: thing that a lot of people were saying. And there was such development up front on Elite, and it happened in, um, in such a way that people believed that every year they were going to get seasons and updates, mm-hmm. and that there was going to be an annualized cycle to this thing. Yeah. Quiet as it's kept, Frontier as a company never really believed in elite dangerous as a product Mm -hmm. right if you if you all recall they had roller roller coaster tycoon and Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and and all these other rail railroad tycoon they Mm -hmm. invested in jurassic park they invested in formula one ultimately they did those things but back Mm -hmm. then they were uh, roller coaster tycoon and all railroad tycoon and all that stuff these were games that they spent money on development they told their ceo go to kickstarter to get money for this Mm which meant that they didn't believe in it. And until mm-hmm. he got millions mm-hmm. in the Kickstarter, they weren't ready to invest in it. So when, it, when they did invest in it, and it wasn't like this phenomenal moneymaker, the development went away. Mm. Right, so you had all of this development up front. You had then they had engineers. You had development behind that. You had mm-hmm. to start they started to do the Thargoid reveal, right? And they moved major storytellers, major game producers, major team runners like Michael Brooks, rest mm-hmm. in peace. Yeah, really. They moved. They moved him to the Jurassic Park and other franchises, mm-hmm. and they really stopped major development on Elite Dangerous to the point where today they have financially written off. Yeah. Elite dangerous, yeah. so the 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 fan base and the player base in Elite were were on the forums talking all this junk about Star Citizen and its development model because they were they were having all of these robust development experiences year on year in the early days. Mm-hmm. Where now today you see major uh, migration, yeah, from Elite Dangerous to Star Citizen, and part of it is because. You know, with the Odyssey update and Elite Dangerous, they promised things like Armstrong moments. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. stepping down out of your spacecraft and being like one small step for Captain Sirius Fun, a giant leap for the Soul citizens, right? Yeah. And <laughs> and instead, what you got was a blackout moment yeah. where you press the button. You <laughs> screen went the, in black. Infamous,
3: the infamous loading screen yeah the infamous right. loading screen right? right before starfield there was a lead mm-hmm. with these loading screens yeah
2: and then they're looking at star citizen and they're seeing that we have so many armstrong moments all the time that we don't even think about don't it even think
3: anymore think about it anymore yeah we don't even think like how that. crazy it is the first time,
2: to- the first time you, you open your ship
1: and and a hangar door dropped open so you to walk in armstrong moment stuff like that
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah we we go down and land on Aberdeen and we get out and we're having our Armstrong moment and we're not thinking, wow, I just stepped out onto a moon. We're thinking it's hot down here. <laughs> right, right. right <laughs> we're managing right. other stuff,
0: yeah, right? right.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I do remember. Um, and I, I, again, I didn't notice that, you know, when I found out that the hostility was there, and this is a shame to say this, but because I had left back after right before engineers um, and wasn't really connecting with anybody. Uh, it was when Odyssey came out. I, I, I went back to Elite with the feeling of, you know, I want to check out Odyssey. They're going to have this, you know, being able to get out of your ships and walk around. And I started reading the uh, reading the forms a little bit and I started listening to the community and I started hearing. Um, in particular, because, uh, you know, again, the subject we're picking on right now, guys, is, is, is Star Citizen Killer, and, and there were people who were saying that Elite will be a Star Citizen killer. And then when this, they were going to go into Odyssey, if, if you don't know, the Odyssey was when we were going to be able to leave our ships and walk around and do stuff. Uh, that started to come back again that, oh, they're finally going to get it. Um, and, and I started hearing all this just really negativity towards Star Citizen that I didn't know existed within the community. Um, yeah. and, and, and I kept, and we had always had a very, you know, live and let live attitude toward Elite. It was kind of like, hey, if you like playing Elite, play Elite. They got great VR. They got this, that, you know, you can have fun with that too. But I didn't realize that there was this, in that community, such a negative vibe. Now, there have been plenty of people now, and I understand now the game is further along than it was back in 2015 when Elite came out. So people have been able to come into Elite now and thankfully, and rightfully so, Star Citizen backers have embraced them and said, hey, yeah, come on in. Welcome to the club, you know. um, But I was just so amazed. That these were the two predominant space games And for some reason there felt like There had to be some competition that existed That one had to squash the other one But if you saw Braben and, and Chris Roberts They talk, didn't function
2: like that They didn't function they didn't f-
3: like that at all They were supportive no. of each other's projects right. And cheered each other on so it's As long as we had been waiting tribalism.
2: Yeah, yeah, as, as long as we had been waiting For space games with high fidelity In yes. the MMO world yes. Braven and Roberts were so excited That they were able to get it done Yes. Right. And every time you saw Elite post on something, you'd see Chris Roberts celebrate. You saw Chris Roberts post on something, you see David Braben celebrate. Yep. You know, I mean, Elite Elite was I was just going to say real quick, Elite (laughs) was a seated VR reference experience. Right. Yes. Uh, Yes. And the legacy right now of Elite Dangerous, to be very frank, is if you look up the, the word almost in the dictionary, there'll be a picture of elite dangerous there, <laughs> right? The truth of it for me, and I imagine Kaizen would say something similar, right? But the, the truth of it for me is that these two games launched about the same time. They had really meaningful arcs
0: mm-hmm. and
2: one is still going for the moonshot and the other one has decided to come back down to earth and do something else. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. where they are. I, and I'm I glad you said that it about it the
3: timeframes because the, the one highlight we want to mention, I'm sorry, one highlight we want to mention about the three games that we're going to mention right now is that they all actually started their development. Well, these two, the first two, all started around 2010, 2011. That's when they started forming this stuff. And it's 10 years later or 13 years later. So just keep that in mind with these games that we're going to be talking about. And then the third game we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the time frame on that, too. Go
2: ahead, yeah, we're I'm right sorry, here. man. I'll do real quick, Master Blaster and, and chat. Says so the space travel and smoothness of the flying in ED is still phenomenal. That's still yeah. a great game.
3: It is a great game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, still a great yeah. game. Absolutely. But see, right. the problem with the problem is, is this the, the the development team or the people who have supported them in financially, the publishers, are the issue. That's that's mm-hmm. the, the, the big issue that they've had with there's no reason why elite couldn't have been a better game. But here's the irony elite players are saying there ain't enough ships. We only got what 32 right. ships? They ain't 32. enough ships. You got people on the Star Citizen side saying, "Stop making ships." Stop making ships. You got to too many. <laughs> you, you know, it, it, the people in the elite are crying for more ships, and the in Star Citizen is stop making ships. You know, but yeah. it, it, the funding is an issue, and their funding is a real issue over there with that game right now. Yeah,
2: sorry to cut All you right. off, fast card.
1: So far, I just want to give uh, Simpasa another shout out because they, they gave us uh, another oh, wow. gift step, So thank you for that. Thank sh- you, Shimpasta. Shimpasta. And InfoRunners, welcome, welcome to the to the screen. We gave you a shout out earlier, so welcome. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess we Absolutely. we summoned InfoRunners. We must have said that name three times. <laughs> <laughs> and this is your local producers trying to encourage uh, our host to pick up the pace because we are w- going to run long. So yes, yeah, so we're mm-hmm. going to move on to uh, No Man's Sky. This is the trailer. I'm, uh, it's on mute because I don't. You,
0: you don't no, no, get no. We want the we
3: want the Audio for this one. So we want the audio, please. Yes, yes, please. Start from the beginning.
0: Okay. okay. So I'm going to come back and mute this thing. <laughs>
1: okay,
0: okay. I thought
1: so, I, I at the beginning of that, I didn't cut to <laughs> Yeah.
0: Go
3: ahead. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, listen, I want to give some shout outs to Sean Murray and the folks over at Hello Games. Um, no Man's Sky was a good example of what happens when you're under a publisher. Now, you guys know Hello Games is a small company, independent company. They'd done a few things before that, but this was their big project. And in 2013, at E3, we all got a chance to see the trailer for the first time, which was the first half of what we saw here. And, of course, without the Jurassic Park music, okay. But uh, we were all impressed and thought it looked really good. It was a different art style, uh, but the idea of what they wanted to accomplish in this game was, again, ambitious and this thing blew up big time, right? Microsoft sees this thing and decides to say we're going to help. Sony. 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 Thank Sony. You. Yeah, Sony. Sony. Thank you, Sony. Yeah. yeah, the infamous Sony. Don't get me started on them. Um, <laughs> Sony sees them and says, we're going to give you $50 million to help you develop this project. But Sony also gave them a deadline of 2016. Now, take into consideration, there was a lot hanging on this, mainly the fact that they wanted to be able to release this for the holiday season on console. Hello Games started on this back in, I think, 2010 or 2011. E3, we get the trailer. So what? We're, we're four years into it, and then another three years later, it launches. So six to seven years of development on this game. It comes out, and we all know what happened. It wasn't ready. It wasn't ready. Okay. Fierce B, or Fierce 8, don't you dare mention that, because that's what my Sony beef is about. Okay, so we aren't going <laughs> to even go there. Okay. So, 2016. One of the most catastrophic launches of a space game ever. People are disappointed. People are refunding. Hello Games literally goes underground. Death threats against Sean Murray. Listen, death threats against Multiple,
2: multiple, multiple, multiple death
3: threats. Unbelievable hostility Crazy. toward them because of the hype that had been built up by the players. Now, don't get me wrong. He was on TV and saying this is what he wanted to achieve and this was the game he was going to do. Man. But it didn't deliver. It didn't deliver what it was supposed to do. Now, let's speed up the clock. And at this time, this game was going to be the Star Citizen killer, too. Oh, you'll be able to land on planets and do this, that, and the other. And they've got trillions of worlds, not 100. I mean, this is going to blow Star Citizen out of the water, too. And guess what? Uh, Twelve years later, the game is now finally reaching the maturity of what Sean Murray stated that he wanted to do back in 2011, back at E3 in 2013. It's taken 25, them 25 named updates. It, yes, twenty-five of them. And it has taken them literally twelve to thirteen years to get the game where he wanted it to be. And guess what? It's not a global MMO with thousands of people playing it. All right. Mm-hmm. But it is the game that they wanted to be able to deliver. But it's taken them twelve to thirteen years to get there, gang. I hope you guys are paying attention to these numbers because when we talk about star citizen and we start talking about we're 12 to 13 years in, we say, Oh, it should have been done by now. But look at what happened when the game was given the time that it needed to be able to be produced and to come out. And I think that it is an excellent game. And I commend uh, Sean Murray's team that they stuck to their guns. Cause like a lot of folks, y'all know what usually happens. Game flops, it gets dropped. What was the game you mentioned earlier? The day after. Yeah, the, day before. Yeah, the day before. The day before. The day before. Many days. And the day after.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. So the fact that they've stuck to their guns and produced a game that is really, really enjoyable by many people, many people come back to the game. They've got new players playing that game. But again, this was supposed to be another star. Set. And it doesn't have to be a killer. To Fast Cards' point, you can have all these games, all boats. A, a great tide can rise, all boats. And there's no reason why we can't have multiple games going on. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that one.
2: Yeah, no, we're really thankful that, um, I think part of it was that Hello Games was a really small shop Mm -hmm. that was located not in London, not in a major city, but in Guildford, Mm -hmm. right, which is an hour uh, southwest of London. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a small, historic, picturesque town, and I think it allowed the development team for Hello Games, as the hype built and as it crashed, to just stay grounded, yeah, right. And, and Sean was able to go back from to Fast Car's point being on Letterman with the Sony marketing money, running around making all these statements about what he wanted to do, as if they were going to give him the resources right then to do it. They gave mm-hmm. him the marketing money to market it, right? And the resources came after, but um, they were able to go back to Guilford and be in that small town setting and just get to work. Mm-hmm. Just get to work, right? Yep. And and it says in the chat he was quiet for for a, a, almost a full year. That's right. right. That's right. And and then they just started dropping updates and have not stopped. And I highly recommend for those of you who have played Lead Dangerous, I highly recommend checking out Lead Dangerous. For those of you who have played No Man's Sky, I highly recommend checking out today's No Man's Sky because mm-hmm. they're those 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 experiences are are really very different than Star Citizen. Mm-hmm. And, they and real are. Quick, especially
1: especially if, you, if you can find No Man's Sky on, on, on sale.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, listen. All of them go on sale, right? So yeah, wait for that. Just like I say, wait for a free fly for Star Citizen if you have questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but these are... these are If we stop as gamers, if we stop the, the the elevation of the critical voice and just look around at what we have, it's kind of a golden era, a second golden era of quality space game experiences that have have relatively matured uh to play so it's uh, but they are not star citizen killers they do not do what star citizen is trying to do yeah i i I very much agree and to our next star citizen killer
1: (laughs) you're going to talk about a call of duty infinite warfare you want the audio for this or you want to you you
3: you can uh, turn it on if you want to I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on mute
1: because we're running a long time, so I gotta. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so yeah. this is the game I talked about. Did you about guys
3: really play this? No. Did you guys play this? No, no. Okay, so I played this. Okay, I played okay. this. Go
2: ahead. <laughs> I heard about it. Go ahead, tell them. Well, Call of Duty players hated it, right? Call <laughs> of Duty players were like, right. you know, Why? I'm not interested because it went into space, right? Yep. And they weren't interested in space. They weren't interested in space guns. And EVA and all that. But for me, the single-player campaign of mm-hmm. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare
0: mm-hmm.
2: was a return to single-player campaign greatness right. that for was the it. Call of Duty franchise, for me. Mm. For me, yep. I really enjoyed... I mean, there were a lot of bugs. There mm-hmm. were some game-crashing bugs on this joint. <laughs> to this day, there are some game-crashing <laughs> bugs. Uh, but I really enjoyed... Mm-hmm. Uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. It was a nice for me moment of some Call of Duty principles, but like in a space setting that were really fun for me, right? Um, uh, I, I, I have tried to go back to it, it's not what it was, right? It's, it's hard <laughs> to go back to, <laughs> okay, right? Yeah, but in uh, no way was this a star citizen killer. It didn't even want to be in space. The players didn't want it in space. They never and gone that back was, to space. That
3: was my point. That was my point about it. It was supposed to, there were many people when they first saw this. Now, mind you, I don't think there were the call of duty players that were saying this. It was people who wanted to science a space game and they saw the call of duty was going to space and they got excited about it. And they said, Oh, this is going to be, you know, call of duty is a successful franchise. They're going to now take call of duty in space. This is going to be amazing. Then when it came out, the the COD players didn't dig it at all. And my understanding was that it was a decent game, but it got pushed away from by the actual players of Call of Duty, which was surprising to me. So, again, I don't think it was Call of Duty players that were saying it was going to be a Star Citizen killer. I think it was the people who were looking for something else in space because we would already had No Man's Sky and we'd already had Elite. We got, oh, the Call of Duty people are stepping into this world. It's got to be the bomb. Mm And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it bombed. It, it didn't do as well here. as it should have done. In fact, That's it's one of the least favored games within the Star within the uh, COD uh, family of of, uh, of games.
1: Yeah, all, all so. I gotta say is that I thought I, I saw the trailer. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, this look." Very familiar, <laughs> very familiar. I like that. I like uh you use the see word over here, but dang, I, I, yeah. it, it looked pretty good. But if it, if it wasn't for was more space based and 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 and, and flight based, I might be interested yeah. in this, But knowing it was Call of Duty, I knew it was going to be FPS based, so I, would, I, I it didn't really take on my fancy. But I was yeah, like, it absolutely "Whoa, this is that. familiar."
2: Oh, I well, good. I might have to, to check it out. Thank you for the subscription. Thank you I for might have 30
3: to uh, it If Captain Serious Fun played it, I might have to get into it now since he said that because I was a big early Call of Duty player and definitely uh, was way more into uh, warfare. But I I didn't mess with this one because I just I heard so many weird things about it. But now that you've told me that you may have piqued my interest to try it out. So that's
2: some of the best storytelling that they have done. And and I was I was um, I don't know if you remember
3: player stuff with them. So that's fine with me. How long is the
2: game? Like how many hours? Probably yeah, probably ten to twenty if okay, that. 20, okay. Yeah, but it's yeah, more or less like, style said the same thing, he said the story was great. Yeah, the story the story was great. Oh my god, Stunner. Thank Stunner, you so thank you for the five Appreciate Stunner. Thank, thank you. you. Welcome and thank you.
1: So we have a couple, a few more, well, one, well yeah, one more. But well, at least yeah, one more. <laughs> yeah, at least one more. So, yeah, this is going to go on mute, but we're going to talk about the there. Uh, who has played this? Starfield. Who has played Starfield in between both of y'all? So oh, oh, only Cap. So, okay, Cap, you want to go first? No, no no no, 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 no,
3: no, no. I've started playing Starfield. I started oh, playing Oh, okay, I, I didn't see your hand go up. Oh, I so, hadn't, she yeah. hasn't get my hand up yet, but yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> All right. well, Cap, anyway,
2: go ahead, please. So, Fast Card, have you played it? No, I have not. Okay. Um, you know, for the folks that found Oblivion and Skyrim uh, compelling, right? Um, like myself. And for the folks that found Fallout compelling, Fallout New Vegas, I never really played the Fallout series, but for folks who felt that, oh I my think God. people mad thank style you, mad, for 20. Wow. Dang, 20. <laughs> thank, thank you, you very mad much. Style.
3: Jeez, thank you so much for that
2: super appreciative Mm -hmm. um i think people came to starfield saying i am going to have a the bethesda experience but in 2024 with the 2024 take on it and a 2024 engine of it and it's going to be in space which means that the the type of walkabout Um, go off in a random direction and have this really compelling uh, experience, this I don't have to follow the main storyline, I can just move about, and it's going to be compelling, it's going to be amplified across space with planets and everything else. When the game actually dropped, and so in the run-up, the the hype was at 11 out of 10. Right, (laughs) I was experiencing the hype as 11 out of 10. Everybody was like, listen, if this drops and it's great, you know, I was saying, I was even saying, if this drops and it's great, it makes the wait for Star Citizen easier.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because
2: I've got a compelling, Bethesda-based, outstanding experience, I, you know, Mm-hmm. My, my son and i played skyrim and t- he he has 200 mods on it i mean it goes on and on for 10 years
0: mm-hmm. then
2: you, then you're not you're not sweating it cuz you got this other really compelling experience other people were saying if star citizen I mean, if starfield is great star citizen is done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that's what people were saying on the negative side was like if this is really good then why play star citizen at all right yeah. um and then it dropped Literally. <laughs> and the rest is history.
3: <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. You know, Starfield, the funny thing about Starfield is that there were a lot of expectations. I think you kind of said a lot of them, Cap. Uh, there were assumptions, first of all, and, and, and I, I'm going to say this the partially to blame to the to players who played the game, but also a little bit on Bethesda too. The marketing language that was used, when you start saying next generation, this, that, and the other, certain phrases and everything, Um, From a company that has um, been—if you look at their gaming history—you know, you mentioned going back from Oblivion, Skyrim, Fallout, Fallout 76. Um, Fallout 76 had a a huge failure with with its launch, but they had been working on it the last few years and building it up, and it was starting to regain some momentum. Um, But then, you know, when Todd Howard comes out and said this has been 25 years in the making, right? That that, that puts some some subconscious stuff in your head, right? They've been thinking about this for 25 freaking years. And then they go and tell you, yeah, and we started the development process on this 10 years ago. And then they say, we started hitting the boards on this seven years ago. You know, th- there's a certain buildup. You know, people say, they're probably going to do a new engine and they're going to do this And They probably learned some things from Fallout 76 not to do blah, 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 blah. So there was a lot of both things that the community built up about this as well as the way their marketing was done for the game. The unfortunate side to it is, is that in, in all honesty, it's a good game. It is a good game. But the hype, to your point, Cap, the hype and expectations were pushed so high, you know, so high that when it came out, people were looking for the quote unquote game changing game. This is going right. to change the way games are played. And when it came out and it just kind of came uh this is the way games just, have been played just, just a, a little differently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, just a game. Yeah, I mean, look at this trailer that we're looking at right now. This is almost photorealistic. Those are not the graphics in, Star, in, no, in Starfield. No,
0: not at all. <laughs> That's not the graphics nope. in Starfield.
3: So you can't nope. put out a photorealistic trailer like that and then get the game when it comes out. And, and there are elements there that some of this is in the game, but some of that was not there. And, and so
2: there were people... When it came to the marketing, to your point, Griff... It was a moment where members of the community, there was voices in the community, the star citizen community Mm -hmm. that were beginning to tell all of us, stop your ambition for a hundred systems. Stop dreaming about a hundred systems. We're in one system. Be satisfied with five systems. Be Mm -hmm. satisfied with 10 systems over 10 years. You're never Mm going to get a hundred systems. And then Todd Howard had that long form presentation where he's mm-hmm. like a hundred systems, yeah. a thousand, yeah, thousand planets, mm-hmm. and I went okay because a hundred systems is what I want for Star Citizen, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so when he, I think they did that on purpose. I think they knew mm-hmm. that a leading edge, dreaming edge. Of space gaming and Star Citizen, and Star Citizen was talking about 100 systems. Mm-hmm. And I think they threw that out there to be like, we got it done. Then we're going to deliver it, huh? Wow. And we're going to deliver it. And you're going to see it on this date. But here's, systems, thousand here, planets.
3: here's the irony. You know, with one of the several complaints that I heard from people who reviewed after they played the game and been in the game, the statement they've said is that. They should have never done a hundred systems. They should have right. done fewer systems and right. made the game much more compressed and and created worlds that were much more reachable than having this quote unquote real space with only ten percent That's the stuff that they're saying now. And and but beforehand that was to that was going to be the benefit that they had right. all these worlds.
0: Oh, so with all and that marketing. Two, wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. Two, Go To
1: point, like th- th- there one uh, content creator who who flew seven hours to Pluto only to get there, and Pluto wasn't really there. They, they, they flew right through it. <laughs> so, mm. and, yeah. and, you know, so, so you can have you know you can have your hundred planet, but what are you going to do? Once you once you, you get there,
2: so yeah, and that's a and that's a facet of elite dangerous as well is that you can fly somewhere, but if you don't jump into the instance, you don't get there, right? Yeah. Um, what with all the marketing that Starfield did, they never told you the thing that was most important, which was you're going to be able to press buttons and fast travel, and that's yeah. going to be the real mode of getting yeah. around.
3: Yeah, there was assumptions. You're, there were assumptions, right. absolutely. Well, and there
2: was there were there were lies of omission, right? Yeah. Yeah, like Todd never told a lie of commission. He never lied directly. True, But he certainly left out things you would want to (laughs) know.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. See that? See that planet out there? You can go there. Yeah. Then you get there and you (laughs) fly right through it. I mean, I'm not not trying to be funny. I'm just saying he wasn't lying. Say, you know. Um. But that's a marketing thing, you know. And again, listen, I gave them benefit of the doubt when I when they when they announced before the game came out that it was going to be 10% of the universe would be populated. I was like, okay, I get it. Because for a franchise, they're going to leave some space open so they can do DLCs and they can build out as they go. But the reality was, is that the players wanted more than that, that it wasn't enough for them, you know? Um, and they weren't looking well, at it there from a DLC a- standpoint. They're looking at it from, this is what we got right now. And there's this out here. And even when we do go to the worlds that have something on them, there's still nothing there,
2: you know? Right. So, well, that, that's, that's the other point is like, when you say there's 10% of inhabited worlds, well, what's the compelling exploration mechanic? Yeah. For the other 90%. Yeah. Right. Um, is it mining? Is it base building? Is it tectonics? Yeah. Is it emergent life? Is it aliens? What is it?
3: And in right? a single player space, a thousand worlds when you're the only person out there, is different from an MMO world, you know, right. the, the randomness of, I mean, don't get me wrong. NPCs are okay. You know what I'm saying? But is a single player game, do I need a thousand worlds single player?
2: Well, you, you know? better, you better have a real dynamic procedural generation <laughs> of activities. And, and some people say, did Skyrim have to be as big as it was? Well, everywhere you went, there was something to do. Yeah. Right. Um, and captain Jones says in the chat, it, having at least a co-op options, Yes, if Starfield would
1: have helped. I think that's Ooh, exactly time. correct. Big time, yeah. big time, absolutely, exactly absolutely. So I, I, anyway. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to to get us to move on, but I just yeah, I'm sorry, say, we were way over. I, way way over. Yeah, I, I, I did not really get in, in hype for Starfield because I, I tried uh, what is it, Oblivion. I, I, mm. I could not get into Oblivion, and Griffin like to say, if you like the game, you will you will like uh, Starfield, and 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 I did I. I'm the one of those people who didn't really get into into Bethesda games, so I, that's why I gave it a pass and I'm I'm glad I did. But I will say I, 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 if they keep on working on it, I don't know I don't know their plans, but if they keep on working on it, I, I could see this becoming another no man's sky um story,
3: like you know. Or a cyberpunk so. a cyberpunk. You don't think so?
1: Well, I don't think no, I don't think
2: so. I think the problem is the engine.
3: The engines an issue for
2: them. They, oh, they can they
3: can keep the franchise
2: going, but whether it's I don't know how far they can take it. They I better know. they better they better license some Unreal Five and get to working <laughs> <laughs> because the creation so, engine the creation engine two looked like creation engine zero. Them eyes wow. that yeah. look. I was yeah. like, you going backwards, not forwards. Yeah. All right. right. So, can I say something um, real quick, fast, Car?
3: Can we let's skip that last category that we had. Yeah, I am going to say uh,
1: that,
2: but but I, I, I want to supplement
3: this one for a second. Because you just mentioned about cyberpunk. And believe it or not, you guys, there were some people saying the same thing about cyberpunk, that it would kill Star Citizen. Now, I don't know necessarily, those are two different worlds, but there are some videos out there that have like cyberpunk versus Star Citizen. I don't know why people decided to take those two genres and take a cyberpunk genre and a space genre other than the futuristic side of things. But there were people who felt the same way. But the reason why I want to focus on cyberpunk is again, once again, a great, great game rocky launch though why was it a rocky launch because it was pushed out too I'll soon be too because you had soon.
2: institutional investors that drive right. the corporate quarterly dividend function there wanted you go their money
3: that's right there you go and, <laughs> and, and 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 that is an issue i know it seems weird that we're parking on this guys But Cyberpunk started again, 2011. It took them another freaking 12 years to get the game where it is still not everything that they said, but it is in a good place. It's a very, very good game. But look at how much time it took to get this single player game out the door in a playable way. So I'm only saying this because we're trying to compare some things so that people can get off this horse about how long it's taken for Squadron 42 to come out. Yes, it's taken a long time, but we could say that same thing about every one of the games that we just talked about, that eventually when they were given the time that they needed, they produced a really, really good game in a game that will probably be around for a good amount of time.
1: Hey, it's Gamer, thank you for the follow. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, yes, I was going to say you. some other uh, potential uh, Star Citizen Colors were, you mentioned Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. Anthem, that was going to be another Star Citizen Anthem. Yeah. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, another Star Citizen <laughs> color. and we point w- work, work, work out like most of these, if not all of these, are single player games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know how people like comparing apples and oranges and saying that uh, 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 any one of them is, is going to start uh, kill Star Citizen. The only thing that can kill Star Citizen, in my opinion, is Star Citizen. <laughs> so yeah. Jade um, so, hey, Star uh, Watch, Thank one. you for the. Well, that was thank a, you for the some, oh, some gifting,
2: gifting pasta, to yeah, Star Watch.
1: Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, this is Okay, so the Star Citizen door I think we can cover this pretty quickly Oh, I mean, sorry,
2: Jade yeah, real, Really quick, Jade also mentioned Dual Universe Oh, Dual which I Universe was, uh, Which was yeah. also I was supported
3: a, by Chris Roberts Which was yeah. literally yeah. supported by Chris Roberts And Dual I was universe. a very,
2: very early backer of that as well I was well. too, they got my money <laughs> yeah, And uh, I've been in there twice So <laughs> Star Atlas, uh, that's, a, that's a whole
1: different thing, but go ahead. Oh, but, God, yeah, yeah. About, about the door now.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: So, yeah, Star Would Citizen you... uh, back at, uh, oh, sorry, I got the wrong link. Uh, but the $20,000 $20, door, I, um Inside car Prism, um, well, studio. This is a door. People are saying, "Why are you putting so much of our back money in, into the door? This going to cost so much. This going <laughs> to cost so much. What? Why didn't you put it in, in into development?" And yeah, it didn't really cost that much. <laughs> <laughs> what was it for the full story, Griff? Or or yeah, out of you?
3: Yeah, I mean the, the basics behind this was the RSI doors. Um, these doors were installed uh they are a a id coded door that you can go through um and uh obviously for companies like this they need to have some form of security for people to be able to go in and out it keeps track of who goes in and out. this is in their la office um but there were some people who when they saw this thing just went crazy right and started doing all this investigating saying well how come these paying this money in these doors and how much it costs so they literally went on websites and Tried to find out how much doors, you know, like if you go to a grocery store, it's like a Home Depot, how much the doors cost to do that. And people were projecting all types of numbers, uh, saying that these doors probably ran anywhere from fifteen to $20,000 for them to install. Um, <laughs> the irony of that is that there was a CIG, which FastCard's posting right now, an employee who did respond to this. And they said, normally we don't respond to this type of stuff about financial decisions that we make, but just so you'll know, We did do this in the most economical way possible, that the doors had been created or crafted by some people in-house, and that they basically, I think they said they used like a garage door opener or something. There was something that they used, but basically they found an economical way to create these doors. Um, Again, earlier in the show, we talked about accountability, you know, and making sure that, um, you know, money is going where it should go. Uh, This issue also came up in relation to the new studio in Manchester. Uh, There is another post that we were going to talk about tonight, but because we're running over, we're not going to do it. But some of you know, about five months ago, there was a a post that went out on Reddit uh, by an employee who formerly worked at CIG, uh, who basically said they had some questions about how money was being spent, particularly on the new headquarters. Um, But there have also been people who've talked about the fact that when you're in this business and industry, um, that there is a certain level of investment that goes into the physicality of the office space that they work in. Um, There have been people who've raised this issue before about uh, their coffee machine that they had to buy uh, or paintings or seats, furniture, things of that nature. In that industry, if you look at any of these studios, go back and look at Bethesda's uh, video for their opening for Starfield, you will see a very elaborate studio. Um, And that's done for several reasons. One, because of investors. Two, because of the employees. Three, there's a certain level of 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 professionalism that's expected. They're not working out of a garage like they used to be back in the day. This isn't back when they were in Austin working with drywall. And if you go back and watch their earlier videos, they would literally get their monitors and TVs from secondhand places and buy them. They weren't even buying them. Um, but there is a certain level of what's expected for these companies. And CIG is at that place now, guys. As much as we want to Kind of feel like they're still that grassroots company that started out back in the days with Ben Lesnick and Sandy sitting around the table laughing and joking. They are a triple A, if not to Captain Serious Funds' point, a a quadruple A company. And there's a certain (laughs) level of expectation that when you walk into this Manchester studio, this elaborate building, if you haven't seen it, it's in a tech development area. It's not just their building. They are surrounded by motion picture companies and other gaming and tech companies. So, Yeah. That level and bar presentation is going to be at a different space right now. And I'm, and hopefully the management of that monies and funds that do that is a reality. But let's call it for what it is. It, it's a reality. And it's something that comes with being in that industry. And I think it's unfair to think that they need to be sitting on, um, what's the, what's the company called that you buy your furniture from that you've got to put it together? Ikea. Um, I I Ikea. Yeah, I Ikea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> let me let me let and me let have me IKEA furniture in this place. Yeah, let me let me you let know? me make it clear. Let me make it very mm-hmm. clear from my perspective. Mm-hmm. For each one of the over eleven 1, hundred employees at CIG. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if people have ever, ever seen what it takes to sit down and code and get mm-hmm. in the zone and coding. Yeah. I want them to have chairs with massage. I want them to have organic fruits and vegetables.
0: <laughs> I want them to
2: have really good water and coffee. Yeah. I want them to have, um, you know, monitors and eye fatigue protection. Mm. I want them to have uh, massages that come uh, the masseuse. Acupuncture. I say that. Yeah. I yeah. want them to have everything that they need to have. <laughs> I want them to have open concept. Mm-hmm. I want the space to give them wellness and well being. Right. I want all the stuff. First of all, I would want that for me. Mm-hmm. I would want that for you. Mm-hmm. I would want that for everybody involved who has to go to work. If you if you work or starve, then you're working class, and we all need to function yeah. as a class and recognize that we can have nice things. We don't have yeah. to. We don't have to not. We don't have to live in some sort of Calvinist suffrage,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: We can, we can, we can, we can have nice things, right? Yeah. I want them to have everything that they should have in order to to re, to recruit, to retain yeah. mm-hmm. great talent, yeah. Right. FastCart does not have his Benny Merchantman, and it might be because somebody else got a massage chair, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, we and the, and the team and the team bounced, right? So mm-hmm. We need to make sure. That folks are getting what they're supposed to get, and, and Jade referenced it earlier. If you go to some of the other these other tech companies, or you go to Google and some of these other places, mm-hmm. they've got organic food out all the time. They got gourmet chefs that will make you bespoke, custom meals. That's right. You know this. A, right. This is not. This is not out of the garage Wozniak and Steve Jobs in 1979. Right. This yeah. is. This is. Um, and you got to compete for talent. Yeah. So I want them to have everything they're supposed to have to give me my hundred systems just yeah. to get, just let them get stuff and, and stop being haters. Yeah. Right. we about to put, you about to put half the community on the player haters because we got a bunch of haters
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> trying to keep people worried about these doors. Don't worry about them doors. Let let you make sure people get you. what they supposed to get.
3: Let me throw something at you. You know, let me start for, that ten, for the $10,000, uh, uh, what's the coffee called? Um, And all this other stuff, right? The coffee machines, right? If you go in and buy two cups of coffee at Starbucks every day for work here, you can spend up to almost $2,400, one person buying their coffee. You know what I'm saying? Um, And so now, to your point, when you work in these spaces, sometimes the salary isn't there, right? But the benefits of being someplace compensate for that, right? Right. So that's the other side of the coin. The fact that I can save myself $2,400 a year in coffee because there's a coffee machine here that can give me the exact same thing that I would normally have to go down the street to Starbucks and pick up. You multiply that times all the employees who are working in that space. That $10,000 coffee machine is nothing at that point, right? And to your point, I, I went to the Austin studios. FastCard's been to the L.A. studios. When I went to the Austin studio, it wasn't anything over the top, but it was nice They had a balcony area where they could go out and sit and relax. One of the biggest things that people who work in this industry talk about are the hours and the stress that they have to deal with, right? So to create a space that, as you mentioned, is archaic, uh, the dark, dim rooms and things like that, these are not healthy spaces for people to work in in this particular field. And I'm not saying you got to be freaking, you know, it's overly elaborate, but it does need to be able to compensate for these people emotionally, mentally, and physically. For
1: them to and be able quick, to work I, I, in a high well, tension area. Real quick, I think L.A. is, 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 the, is the smaller studio in in California. Clod- in mm-hmm. I, I don't know about Montreal, but I believe L.A. is one of the smaller studios mm-hmm. that way. It's definitely smaller than too- Austin. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, so having this there, I, I don't see what the I, I didn't see what the big bus was, but yeah, it, it, there was yeah. a myth that this door cost twenty thousand dollars to to put in, and yeah, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So I guess that's
0: we're it. Over. Yeah, yeah we are big over. Time.
1: <laughs> all right. So let's wrap up this show. Okay. I want to thank everybody for being here. Thank you. Griffin. Thank you. Captain serious fun. I don't think, I, I, yeah, I think we only made, made a mistake one time tonight. So I'm part of, part of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank y'all for being here. Captain serious for making people find you.
2: Oh, so you can find me at captain serious fun everywhere. My focus is on Twitch. I stream, space sport sword and cyber but mainly star citizen and, and griff introduced me to chivalry so i've been dying over there mondays <laughs> wednesdays and fridays 7 p.m eastern time um if i'm not there i'm on youtube delivering uh long form videos that'll go first to patreon and then to there uh and we're starting an org called a pretty cool org uh so check that all out um but the first but only after we have. Like, followed, and subscribe to everything. Soul citizens, make sure you get that done, right? And then you can then you can check me out. But thank you for letting me say that fast card. I appreciate
1: it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for being here. As, as, I don't want to say as always, but as usual. Put it that way. And Commander HD. Well, that's a lot, a lot of numbers. Uh, Commander H- HD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for thank you for the follow. <laughs> I'm trying and to get Hayes <laughs> Gamer four twenty. Yeah.
3: Hayes Gamer four twenty. Thank you also for the follow. Oh, Zentrae, Zentrae, yeah, Zentrae. I didn't see me either. Zentray. Thank you also for the follow. Thank you.
1: All right, so uh, I'm I'm gonna cover. Wait, I... oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna cover Thursday. So Thursday we have a, a show, show talk. Uh, that's where we um, the community comes in and talk to what's going on in Soul Citizen that week. Uh, we be coming on, on Discord and talk to us, and it's a more roundtable discussion. We cover ISC that's coming back and SEO that's coming back also, and um, cinema and stuff like that. So it's always a fun time, and so check us out for that. Uh, Captain, Sir, is fun. when you to cover Soul Voices, please.
2: Yes, uh, the the long-awaited return <laughs> of Soul Voices. <laughs> popping off on Saturdays 3 p.m. Eastern Time as part of Podcast Saturday, or PodSat Podcast Saturday, where Griffin will take um, the discourses that are happening across the community and turn them into questions that you can join him on the Discord to discuss. Um, and so there's a lot of fun exploration of the issues, uh, illumination of the uh, the, uh, the conversations that are happening on Reddit and Spectrum and other places. And then after you listen to Griff and Soul Voices Podsats, Podcast Saturday means you then head over to Paul Shelley at the Astro Pub, uh, which kicks off and usually does Captain's Table at some point in that evening. And then, as Griff and Faskar both have, have shared with me, the OGs of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of, of this thing uh, in terms of streaming about Star Citizen Relay uh, happen at 9 p.m. So check all that out across the day. You know, you can do your dishes, you can go to your kids soccer game. Put one earbud in to listen to that and one earbud in to, to, to pay, and one <laughs> earbud out to pay attention to what you're doing. So that's Saturdays. Thank you for that. And on next Sunday,
1: Sunday, 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 we're covering dynamic events. Uh, you know, Nine Tales, Geno Threat, Seas of Ocean, and Beyond. So that'll be 8 p.m. Sunday February 2nd, 8 p.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. UTC. That's coming. And I think that's it. Yeah, so thank you everybody for joining us. Uh Griffin, I hope you have someone that we can now uh, raid. Oh, yeah, I'm seriously. <laughs> no, <we Sorry>. <laughs> okay. So we'll um, I mean you want to support us, you can buy our merchandise, you can put us on Patreon, click the link down below. Um, make sure you follow and subscribe and uh, join depending on what platform you're on. And also turn on notifications so you know when we when we go live you'll we'll appreciate it's still looking. So yeah. <laughs> no, I've got
3: some We're gonna go. Do,
1: we're gonna go with maiden. Uh. Okay. All right. So make sure you send Maiden now. on honor our oh, So thank you for that, everybody. Peace, love, and soul.